people of Earth. If you are hearing this, you are receiving a signal from another planet. Fanboy planet. Watch animated chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a Trekkie. Sit back and watch as the Uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the letter F in your dictionary and add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor. I'm just the definition of a fanboy, Um, <clears throat> anyway, yeah. How's your coffee holding up? It's, uh, it's, it's good. I hear that. That's the sound of a man enjoying <sighs> an iced, what, what do they call that? Vanilla cream? Vanilla cream. It was supposed to be a black and white, which is what they do with a cold brew. It's like 17 hours of brewing and cold. You know, it's like, who has that kind of time? I don't. So I and and they don't do a decaf, and I want a decaf, so I had to go for an americano version, which is uh, yes, basically okay, iced coffee. A, with I, I just walked away cream. from that exchange, so yeah. I, I heard americano, yeah. and I thought the correct answer was yes, I am. Yeah, I recall the song in uh, the talented Mr. Ripley. And by the way, this is Derek McCaw, editor in chief <laughs> of FanboyPlanet.com, uh, and we are podcasting on Thursday. June 22nd, or 23rd, I'm 23rd. sorry, it's the 23rd. We were going to do it on the 22nd. I'm just going to admit something, I'm I, like, I'm exactly now a month away from my birthday that will be on Saturday night at Comic-Con, and I just realized that, I don't know why that, just like, oh, I woke up this morning. It's a month and away went, from your birthday. It's a month away from my birthday. I don't feel any particular excitement. Do you do anything special on a month away from your birthday? On a month away? I come here. A month away, a month away. No, I'm here. Yeah. That's... I'm here with I you thought listeners. you might have done something special earlier today. I, I worked. Oh. I bought comics. That's special. Comics uh, there we go. And, of course, across from me uh, is a podcast producer and physical host here at the Brett Cave, Rick Brett Snyder. Now, we promised on our last podcast that we would have Nate Costa back. Heavy sigh. And I blame society. No, I blame myself. Is that We were supposed to record last night when Nate uh, had set aside the time. And unfortunately, I had a work conflict that uh, made it impossible to record, and therefore, we apologize. I keep expecting, I look to the words of the door like any minute Nate will burst in and say... And he might. And he might. I, it could I be. I said, bring all your friends. And if he, and, and, and if he joins us, that would be we fantastic. We have a bunch of little kids, some juveniles. Just, yeah, just two kids, if both of the friends mentioned. A bunch of them. Wow. How many kids in a bunch? These are very lean bananas that you buy. Metric <laughs> like, bunch? I bought a bunch of two bananas. Oh, we <laughs> got to teach you numerate uh, grouping. If you have a bunch and you break it in half, nouns. do you have two bunches? Not if it's only two bananas, then you have two bananas. <laughs> no, if I have four bananas, I break them in half. Uh, then do you, I still have two bunches? Well, then you've got Snork and Flegel on one side, uh-huh. and you've got Bingo and Droopy on the other. La, 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 la. Not too long. We Not can't listening. afford, we la, can't la, afford la, to pay la, the rights. La, la. Anyway, enough of that shenanigans. I do want to say all our, our legal stuff. Tonight's podcast is brought to you by Turn Signals. 
Use them. Anyway, uh, if you are listening to us <laughs> on iTunes, please subscribe. Please review us. Uh, write a review. Please tell your friends. And that's you know that's the way podcasts go, right? It's word of mouth and it's excitement. Uh, you can visit us on our Facebook page as well and tell us how much you like us there. Uh, also, you can do the same thing on the Stitcher app if you would like to. Uh, if you're listening to us on the Stitcher app, which we don't use the player on the on, on the page anymore not right Stitcher, not no. no not not since the word the wordpress update not since fanboy planet 3.0 where you can find each and every podcast there as well on uh, fanboyplanet.com where you can also find if there is something we've talked about or are about to talk about on this podcast that you like listening uh, that you think you would like to have in your own home in your personal collection and you cannot find it at your local brick and mortar store, uh, which I should also point out. We I always say that, like especially because we talk comics. But I do want to say, go to comicshoplocator.com and you can find if there is a comic shop near you. Uh, you know, I didn't write it down, but there is the news that you know that if you went to Hastings for your for your comics, that was that big chain that was Diamond's largest uh, largest uh, contract. Uh, largest account they are no longer carrying comics they're in trouble and wow. so there's like apparently there was i i see one of your comics is a there was a han solo number one exclusive hastings cover yeah oh that they can't sell because diamond won't deliver it so it's very interesting right now that's a collector's item i want to say there's a breaking story there but i don't know you know and i've never been to hastings because it's kind of the american southwest midwest Kind of places, but anyway, the last thing I should say, of course, is if you can't find it at your Hastings or at your local comic shop or even your local Barnes and Noble, you can find an Amazon link. There's an Amazon search box on Fanboy Planet. There are also occasionally direct links. We have a Fanboy Planet podcast store that you can go to a page and, and thumb through everything. And there's some cool things that we've talked about on the podcast this year. And you can use that for anything. If you're going to buy a new stereo, no, absolutely. go uh, to the Fanboy Planet. I can't tell you how many blank CD-ROMs somebody is buying. Really? DVD-ROMs. Uh, every every, ca- every couple of months I, I get an order, You know, somebody is on a spindle, and we get like nine cents. And it's beautiful. That's nice. I No, I'm very grateful for it because it means somebody... <laughs> Somebody cares enough to do that, and I yep. really appreciate it. Because you, there are a lot of podcasts whose Amazon links you could use, and you chose ours. I'm grateful for that. And as well, if you would like to help support Fanboy Planet in the hosting, you know, I do it for free, essentially, but it does, but it does cost money to keep it uh, going. Is uh, there is you can of course donate on PayPal editor at fanboyplanet.com. Where also, if you have any comments questions criticisms commentary anything you'd like to say whatsoever any topic you'd like us to cover please write in to editor at fanboyplanet.com perhaps tonight there'll be something we say that you would like to correct us on we don't know everything we just act like we do and that's gotten us this far or you could just write mind blown you know I would like that as well. Yes. So uh, let's. We've got a lot of comics. There's news. a lot we of mind blown. We got a lot of movie news. We got a lot of TV news. I just keep noticing that my iPhone keeps defaulting to start playing the Do- Doctor Who short story by Neil Gaiman. Oh, I love uh, that story. That's yeah, the, it's a great one. one but I the... but I don't want my I, my phone to keep deciding that I want to listen to it, no matter what I'm doing. Well, maybe the phone wants every to time it, to it. it clearly it already has a couple of times, uh, but. Uh, anyway, uh, so we've got a lot of different news, comics news, movie news, TV news. Our top story, I think, almost, covers almost everything, Yes, which is really it's not so much a top story as a top topic. There's a lot of Star Trek news that has happened in the last week and a lot of Star Trek news that has happened today. So we're going to start with this. Uh, do, 
go with the somber note, the acknowledgement first of the passing, the untimely accidental death of Anton Yelchin, 27 years old. He'd only been in a couple of films. Anton Yelchin? Yeah. No, he'd been in several films. You just well, didn't see them. Weren't they like, oh, okay. I, th- I thought there were like seven films that I, went, look, I looked him up and they were like, uh, well, he was in the Fright Night. You want me? To, you want me to challenge on IMDb right now? Sure. Um, there, he was in Fright Night. He was in Charlie. What was that? Uh, Chris Garcia had mentioned something about it because it fit in the uh, only Chris Garcia. Really, no, I know a lot of people liked it. Um, oops, that's Antin. Oh my spell. Okay, there it is. Anton Yelchin. He's been active since he made his debut. Like he was nine years old. Um, I don't know. Uh, yeah, he's got 65 different projects, so I don't know what database wow. you looked up. Uh, Rise. Obviously the wrong one. I've actually seen this one. He's in this virtual reality short called Rise. I saw it at a, at a uh, conference on immersive education a couple years ago. Um, it's really just a voice voiceover, but they they use his image as a, as a robot as part of a, it's a scene from a, a robot uprising. Uh, so he's very interested in new technologies. He's just in Green Room. Uh, he vo- uh, sorry. So some of these were TV. He was in uh, Supermansion. He was a voice there. Bearing the X, Dying of the Light, Five to Seven, and Cymbeline, Rudderless. That's just the last year alone. Uh, I think it may have been it may have been confused because he's won six awards and he was clumsy Smurf uh, in the Smurfs uh, movies. Odd Thomas, as you may recall, you were a big fan of yep. that film. Uh, and uh, as I said, Fright Night and uh, and, and the Beaver. Uh, many things. It's uh, Terminator Salvation. He was the Kyle Reese in the uh, in the reboot by McGee. Charlie Bartlett. That's what I was thinking of. I think the first thing I really he really made an impression on for me uh, was this film called Alpha Dog, where he was a, a kid who was kidnapped by these teenagers that were just trying to like it was a drug deal gone wrong and and they held him as hostage and he and uh so he was this very innocent innocent character but he was a very versatile actor and just a and i'll say one of those is a tragic a a jeep was it a jeep cherokee that was that was actually due to be recalled and rolled back on him and crushed him in his own driveway and it's just uh it's funny because he was when you when they announce the cast and you look at him and you go, I don't see Chekhov until he opened his, okay, let's get it. Yeah, until he opened his Star mouth. Trek. Yeah. yeah. Until he opened his mouth and you went, totally well, he actually Chekhov. was a, a Russian immigrant. Yeah. He, he, his parents moved here, uh, were citizens of the, of, of Russia. Uh, he moved here when he was two or three. Um, so he came by that accent, uh, far more honestly than Walter Koenig did. And, uh, yeah, I, I didn't think, he, you know, that's the thing. The thing with the with the Star Trek reboots is some of those actors physically are the doppelgangers, you know, or are able yeah. to, yeah, uh, you know. And he was not. I thought no. I, I thought he was just kind of a trendy choice when he when it was made. And then right. I thought no, he's he's a good he's a good Chekhov. And I I would assume that because it's coming out in July, he, he has finished the role. He had completed filming for oh, Star Trek Beyond. I know yeah. they had gone back in for reshoots recently, but uh, but he is that part is finished. Uh, and there's there's still I, I think some more, maybe a project or two still in the can to see from his work. But when an actor that young is taken, when he's that good, is like yeah. I I just feel that not to get all arty, but it well I, I I've got to is you feel like there's so much potential, and by 
by every account that I've read, just a kind man and uh, a good guy. And so, you know, I, it's been a month where I feel like the world really can't afford to be losing all these good people. No, uh, <laughs> because so many bad ones are because still around. And, and yes, uh, and you know, yeah, are on the national stage, and everybody's paying attention to them. And I just think people who's, who are kind should, well. Uh, maybe they know something we don't. Um, something is coming. But uh, speaking of something is coming, we, we shall say that as uh, more Star Trek news is that um, two related aspects today, stories came flip side. Um, Brian Fuller gave an interview to The Hollywood Reporter in which he talked about it, it was run on Collider. So maybe it was actually to Collider first and Hollywood Reporter picked up piece of his, pieces of it. That uh, Brian Fuller is the uh, producer of the new Star Trek they call it a TV series, but now, and I keep wondering, do we have to change, do we need to change the terminology for the 21st century when it's a streaming service? The pilot will be shown on CBS on the standard over-the-air wave and Comcast and, right, and, and right. Dish Network. They'll carry it, on the first episode, on what is CBS. But CBS's streaming service, I think it's called CBS Live. Um, I don't know because I've never used it. Yeah, They're going to run the rest of the series. Brian Fuller, everything that we've seen about this series so far to me has been, and we've all and, and we've all fallen for it, is they really don't tell us anything solidly, but every time they say something like, there's going to be a Star Trek series. And they say, is it true there's going to be a Star Trek series? And they say, why, yes. Well, what, what can you tell us about it? Well, it's going to be a series. And then we all go, yeah. Yeah, he told us it was going to be. Wait a minute. And then a day later, we think, you know, like I, I just – the tra- that original trailer they did too, which was the music and a, and a logo. It's like it's great and be excited, but I was excited when Enterprise uh, was announced too, and I didn't enjoy that one that much, you know. So uh, the proof is in the pudding. I like the idea that Brian Fuller's there, but he he went as so far to say is that it'll be thirteen episodes, okay, and there'll be a season long arc. Of- it's a season is like so autumn. No, it'll be one. St- it'll be one story. Okay. All the way through. And all, all 13 episodes, all 13 will, episodes will be one. Series. Which I think is, it's interesting that a lot of web television, because that's what it is, is following that Netflix model of, right. even though I think they're going to release this weekly, it's still following the idea that they know people may bank it and binge it. And I think, I think it really depends on whether or not they're going to have adver- advertisements inter- interplaced in it. You know, the, if you're paying for it and you're getting advertisements... In it as That's, well, uh, that, but yeah, I get that with on demand, and I get that with Hulu. Yeah, and Netflix experimented with it. I think they, I think they ultimately dropped it. But uh, I think they do one before it starts. Sometimes, yeah. Like I, I have noticed something. It's very, more, it's more the way British TV is. Something too. I, I've noticed something very odd with streaming, and I don't know if you've encountered this. Is that if you watch two episodes of a series in a row, you actually only get the opening title sequence once? Yes. Netflix has started doing that. Yeah, yes. yeah. That's a. It, it was like, but I like that. Although, granted, when the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt comes out, it does help keep the earworm out of my head. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that is the catchiest damn theme song ever. But uh, anyway, so he said that much about Star Trek, and everybody's like, "Oh, he's Brian." All the headlines have been Brian Fuller. You know, reveals information. I'm like, so he said it's 13 episodes. I want to know when's it set. Yeah, yeah. What's the what? I don't need to know what the storyline is, but 
basic give premise. Me a, give me a casting. Give me a premise. Is are yeah. you going to be the? Is it? Are you going to go back to that Starfleet Academy that Brian Singer wanted to do, or do we feel that the movie has covered that well enough? You know, I. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, so I, I. I would hope that it's going to be another ship out on patrol. I would like a non-Enterprise ship. I would honestly. It, it's one of the things to just say it's a series that. Well, we talked about this in our last podcast that you know the novels and the comic books have explored. Yeah. The ancillary world. I mean, it's a it's a universe. It's it's space. It doesn't have to be. And if you're not following Kirk and Spock, you don't have to follow the Enterprise. You know, there was a. When I think it was Deep Space Nine, there was a, an episode where this character who was kind of like a freebooter, almost a Han Solo-ish character, mm-hmm. showed up at the at the space station, and he was there for something. There was a mistaken identity thing or whatever. He was being chased or whatever. And I thought that would have made a great spinoff. Give me a Star Trek. Give me put something in the Star Trek universe that is not based around a Federation crew. Where, you know, do do kind of like Star Trek meets Serenity kind of thing. Well, that's what was interesting about, I, I mean, though I, I, I don't think that Voyager ever took advantage of the right. premises that it had built in. Not after in. the first couple of episodes. You know, that you had Chakotay and I can't remember what the name of the, those that rebellion was called. But I had it in my head just a second but the, But the fact yeah. that they existed, that was an interesting story. And I recall, too, the fact that they had this um, bio-engineered ship. That that could heal itself. They, that there were so many interesting things to do. Well, like if this ship is essentially a living being, what are the consequences of that? Other than I, if I dimly recall, there was an episode where it caught a cold. Um, yes. So you know, it, it, it became sick. The, but the, I read, you know, I actually, I, I read. Oh, oh, he's still enjoying that vanilla cream. Um, <sighs> he, uh, you know, I read the first four novels that came out of that. I thought, well, if, yeah. I, if I start off on one series, <laughs> I and then I still fell behind. But I, I did enjoy Voyager yeah. for a little bit, but it's a, it just wasn't living up to any of its potential. So I'm hoping that this does. Um, and if it doesn't live up to its potential, that's okay because Paramount's made sure that nothing will. If we can't, they've turned Paramount's turned into the Joan Crawford of IP owners. If I wow. can't, if I can't own, create the entertainment you want, no one will. No more fan films ever. No, that's is not that true. a wire hanger? That is no more fan films. It's actually in the guidelines. You can <laughs> you can use a wire hanger as the Enterprise. You cannot use the Enterprise itself. No, uh, no wire hangers. They released their. They, no, no, those are allowed because those are, those allowed, are so cheap. Because yeah. it, but you cannot use digital effects to a Race the wire hangers. They have indeed released their guidelines. Um, and so I would say uh, one thing I have to do, I'm, I'm so busy at work, but I don't like to, I still haven't finished Daredevil. I'm going to have to watch all of Star Trek Continues before Paramount shuts that down. Yeah, I was thinking about that too, because it's it's all up on YouTube right now. Uh, it's not, And it's on their own site, and it's all, you know, they've had this, but they released these guidelines because what was it about a month and a half ago two months ago there was a big star trek fan event uh several of my friends went to that down in la and jj abrams said made an announcement at the fan event that that paramount was no longer going to sue everything was okay the report earlier this week was well let's let's take it in steps he says that the filmmakers first first we need to you actually have to talk about what the the big thing you're talking about because which you've talked about a few times one is that there is currently a a a suit going on in which one side has actually filed a a tort in uh i don't know if it's really a a brief in klingon to prove that you can't copyright a language which is just the funniest thing that's happened in the law this week this uh year but there's a fan film called axanar 
that they kickstarted. I think they got a million dollars to produce this. It's set. Yeah. Uh, it's it set years before the original series, telling the story of Garth, um, who was in. And I never, I remember the name of the episode, but he became a shapeshifter. He was on the insane asylum, right? Uh, the sanitarium. Let's cut. Let's be a little more correct. The sanitarium it's the planet. episode with Yvonne Craig. Uh, yes, uh, the Green Girl. One of the one of the two Green Girl episodes. Yeah. And uh, who? Oh no, Garth of Izar, Eisen, something yeah. like that. Um, I definitely have to dig out my Blu-rays, um, which of course they're totally um, obviating. I have those. Uh, no. Yes, that's what I have. Uh, that they're, they're obviating them by a 50th anniversary Blu-ray set, which I was too bitter. Whom the gods destroy. That's it. That's it. Anyway, Axnar is about the battle that made him a hero in right. the Federation history. So it's a corner of Star Trek lore that really, as far as anybody could tell, Paramount wasn't going to explore. But I'm also going to say in my completely uneducated opinion of not knowing this person, these filmmakers at all, they've been entitled snots about it. And because Paramount threatened them with a lawsuit, it was explained to me by, by Vic Mignogna, who is the executive producer, writer, and star of Star Trek Continues, that one of the problems they ran afoul was, was that Axanar, there was first the fear that they had actually garnered a profit by raising money on Kickstarter, but that they had also violated the length requirements to be still considered a fan film. If you are 50 to 60 minutes, you are a television episode. That's why Star Trek Continues could make it, although it's done completely for free. Everyone involved in Star Trek Continues, though they have done Indiegogos and Kickstarters to help fund each episode, right. they just put the episode up for free. It's all done for love, but yeah, they need money. But I know that cast members have personally poured in a lot of money to make this happen. It's a hobby. It's a fun hobby. Right. Some people do Civil War reenactments. I'd rather see Star Trek episodes. And <laughs> it's interesting because Axanar is done kind of the Ken Burns uh, okay, style see, of a Civil War film with a lot of people the talking about right. it. So anyway, they are in the like 85 minutes and that becomes Paramount Theatrical and CBS TV owns the TV series and seemed to have no problem with Star Trek Continues. But Paramount's been very defensive about their ownership of the film rights. It is understandable. We had hoped that there would be some sort of compromise. There's been a lot of back and forth. I mean, really. Yeah, yeah. And then there was this fan event, and J.J. Abrams said, in honor of the 50th anniversary, we're, you know, Paramount's going to drop everything. It's all, it's all, you should expect an an official announcement soon. So the next morning, the filmmaker from Axnar tweeted out, yeah, I'm fine, you know, and it was kind of like a yeah, 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 see, I was right and justified. Well, you don't taunt. Lawyers. You just don't. It's like no. they're like they're like happy fun balls. You do not taunt the happy fun ball. You don't know that reference. It's a, no, Mike, it's a Mike Myers Saturday Night Live commercial. Okay. Don't taunt the happy fun ball. And uh, anyway, that's what they're like. And the other thing is, apparently now as people have reconstructed it, the teleprompter at which J.G. Abrams was speaking said ad lib about the the suit the the lawsuits about fan films so he kind of went off script himself jj abrams and said more and implied more about what was going to happen than paramount really wanted was ready to commit to okay this is why we have risk management (laughs) so this morning they released the guidelines for what fan films can do 
So, the fan production. This is like this is like the church going to Martin Luther's I house like and the, putting and nailing and something on the door. <laughs> the Catholics say, "You can do your little fan Catholicism, <laughs> but first of all, um, your mat, your sermons can only be three minutes, right? Right, and, and you can't do, it. and you cannot." reference any latin cognates right. uh anyway the guidelines the for Lord av- is ours. the <laughs> guidelines for avoiding objections you can have william shatner the fan production must be less than 15 minutes for a single self-contained story or no more than two segments episodes or parts not to exceed 30 minutes total with no additional seasons episodes parts sequels or remakes so let's parse each one here that basically means Star Trek continues is right out. So go to Star Trek continues dot com and They're watch like some excellent every episode. Watch these excellent before they go away. Um, but this also means that if you're a fan and you're doing like, I mean, because really, in some ways, this is Star Trek fanfic filmed. Right. Um, and if you if you get good at it and people like it, once you've done one, you can't do another. Right. That's I mean, that's how I'm interpreting it. No, it definitely sounds like well. Actually, you can do no additional seasons, episodes, parts, sequels, or remakes. So, basically, they're saying if you're a fan of Star Trek and you want to make a fan film, you can get it out of your system and then move on to Star Wars because Lucasfilm has no problem with fan films. Um, number two, the title of the fan production or any parts cannot include the name Star Trek. However, the title must contain a subtitle with the phrase a Star Trek fan production in plain typeface. Therefore, you can't use a logo. So I recommend Comic Sans. Uh, The fan production cannot use the term official in either its title or subtitle or in any marketing, promotions, or social media. Some of them actually do. For the fan production. And I see, I think that part is fine. Yeah. I, if that's what you say, because it's not official unless the title is the official of Triskelion. It's about the referee for the gamesters. I would totally be. Uh, you can only say the officiating party of Triskelion. Uh, the content in the fan production must be original, not reproductions, recreations, or clips from any Star Trek production. So right there. Star Trek continues, and and again, I'm saying run and watch these because they are good. I'm I'm only saying this is where I fear that these people whose work I have come to admire is in tr- are, that they're in trouble. Is White Iris the episode I watched at Gallifrey One with uh, Colin uh, Colin Baker is in it? Um, that was the Doctor Who connection. Um, that they reference three or four episodes from the original series and they recast so there's an edith keeler there's the uh native american woman the alien native american woman basically basically the 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 women that kirk has loved that really were were important in the series the first episode has a flashback to our the gun which is in a specter of the gun specter of the gun which is in a uh uh, an experimental hologram you, 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 you don't have to holodeck holo- you don't have to write in with corrections i do this as we're going yeah. and then uh, and then um, although go ahead if i'm wrong go ahead but it's also a sequel to who mourns for adonis yes and it said like the holodeck was because the holodeck was in the, the animated series and they wanted to draw that right. link so that they could go white iris brings in the idea of the ship's counselor and it's trying to the origin of that so anyway i mean 
there's the thing. It's like, so anyway, if non-Star Trek third-party content is used, all necessary permissions for any third-party content should be obtained in writing. So I guess that would be like, now I've never seen a Star Trek fan film do this, but like when there was that Batman movie that did uh, Aliens and Predator. Right. You know, that would be, basically, you can't do a Star Trek Predator fan film crossover unless whoever owns the intellectual property rights to Predator gives you written permission to do it. So, it's an interesting precedent. I'm not going to say a dangerous precedent because I do want to say they do have the right to do this because they are the copyright holders. We've just had a long time where no one has been governing this. The fear the fear here is how it's going to affect fan um, attitudes towards the property. And the thing was, for the longest time, Paramount had no intention of doing anything with Star Trek and, and, and has let it dry up. Well, shall we finish? You know, let's finish the guidelines and then we can have oh, yeah, the, you sure, know, sure, an overall. Sure. There's, still, there's it, a lot of guidelines. Because there are more. Four, if the fan production uses commercially available Star Trek uniforms, accessories, toys, and props, these items must be official merchandise and not bootleg items or imitations of such commercially available products. Which basically means if you use a phaser, it had better be one you paid for. Yeah, you can't make your own. If you're wearing a Federation uniform, it had better be one that's available at StarTrek.com. You can purchase at the store. I mean, that's the other thing that's changed. Yeah. Is, you know... And I will, I'll say, I blame Star Wars for this, even as I have been been victimized by Star Wars and its licensing. Happily, I was complicit. I wanted it. Uh, that uh, that these companies realize there's a ton of money to be made in selling products. And the internet has only made that easier for them to cut out the middleman. You go to Star Trek. I'm sure they license it to somebody else. Somebody runs it for them. But you go to Star Trek.com or thinkgeek.com. I mean, it's got plenty of Star Trek products, but right. Star Trek.com always has the slightly better ones, hmm. the more expensive. And anything you would want in the Star Trek universe is there. So they're saying basically they want to make sure that if you make a fan film, whether you meant to or not, you're paying them. Right. You know, so But if they didn't make one, like the first episode again of Continues has the spacesuits. Okay. And so I've never seen one of those be available on any of these stores. Right. And those were really good re re engineering of that costume. Okay, but if you wanted to make a triple movie <laughs> You'd have to contact Donald Trump. Luckily, Luckily, I purchased a Tribble directly from David Gerald yes. at Baycon. So I am free to make my three-minute... Was it mi- an official Tribble? It is an official okay. Tribble to make my three-minute Tribble fan film, which is just three minutes. It's sort of a Lynchian thing or really more of an art piece. Uh-huh. It's just a Tribble sitting there. And if something, if a car drives by, it'll start cooing because it sounds sensitive. Uh, you know, that's, that'd be good. Number five, the fan production must be a real fan production. That's in quotes, i.e. creators, actors, and all other participants must be amateurs. Mm-hmm. So this is what we were talking about at dinner. Mm-hmm. Cannot be compensated for their services. And, and this is the real kicker and cannot be currently or previously employed on any Star Trek series, films, production of DVDs or with any of CBS or Paramount Pictures licensees. So if you worked on Robert Altman's Popeye, you, you can't, can't work on a Star Trek fan film. Um, I mean, I, I'm being sarcastic, 
but it's that's true. The letter of the law. But that's the letter of the law. So if you were a key grip, yeah, on Enterprise, right, and you wanted to make a fan film, you can't. If you weren't once served cocktails in the Quark's bar in the Paramount Star Trek experience, Chase Masterson, right out. Um, no, you know that's interesting. Uh, see, no, 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 no. I think that if you worked in the Star Trek experience, that's different. Okay. Because it says Star Trek series, films, production of DVDs, or with any of CBS or Paramount Pictures licensees. I think that's a licensee. Yeah, maybe. They've had their name on it. Well, yeah, but I mean, it's not... Yeah, I mean, it could be. And and that's why I think you said at dinner, it opens up a can of worms. There are going to be lawsuits back and forth. Because if you're a Star Trek fan, <laughs> almost they everybody's been trying to get a job or do right. have something related to it. I mean, there's that guy in San Jose who looks like Avery Brooks, uh, who goes around as Cisco cosplaying and really nice guy. Uh, and I know that he's appeared at conventions related to Star Trek. So yeah. you know, but if somebody wanted to use him as I can't remember his name. Um, that was phone number somewhere, you know, because at, uh, a big, wow, we, we had a big, long conversation. It'd be really cool to, uh, you know, to talk about it. He had some interesting plans. Um, so I'm saying if you're a Star Trek fan, it's almost like you can't make a fan film because there'll have been some stupid little thing you did that they'll say you work for us. It's clear that their intent is to make fan films too lame to watch too complex to produce and not not fulfilling there's still number for six anyone. the fan production must be non-commercial cbs and paramount pictures do not object to a limited fundraising for the creation of a fan production whether one or two segments and consistent with these guidelines so long as the total amount does not exceed fifty thousand dollars including all platform fees and when the fifty thousand dollar goal is reached all fundraising must cease the fan production must only be exhibited or distributed on a no-charge basis and or shared via streaming services without generating revenue. Star Trek Continues is in compliance with that. The fan production cannot be distributed on a physical format, such as DVD or Blu-ray. Paramount, as much as I hate to admit this, how 20th century. Yeah. Do you think, as I look over Rick's shoulder and see an entire cabinet full of DVDs and Blu-rays. Yes. Do you think that anybody's buying them under the age of 50? Um, okay, my kids get them as gifts. Uh, From you. Yes, shut up. <laughs> the fan, not really. The fan production cannot be used to derive advertising revenue, including but not limited to through, for example, the use of pre- or post-roll advertising, click-through advertising banners that is associated with the fan production. I don't think that's unreasonable when they're yeah. laying this out. No unlicensed Star Trek-related or fan production-related merchandise services can be offered for sale or given away as premiums, perks, or rewards or in connection with the fan production fundraising. So you can't do a print right? of like, hey, this is our movie poster if this were a real movie. Um, if which, it, is, which is really going to hurt fundraising, too. And I will say, if Lon Lopez were a Star Trek fan and he's not, that would be one of his key things that he suddenly can't do. Right. You know, the posters are fun for action figure action movie. The fan production cannot derive revenue by selling or licensing fan created production sets, props, or costumes. The fan production must be family friendly and suitable for public presentation. Videos must not include profanity, nudity, obscenity, pornography, depictions of drugs, alcohol, tobacco, 
basically anything that I'm sorry, look at your own series and make sure those fit right, that because right. the movies don't. And um, one of the best episodes of the original series, City on the Edge of Forever, involves drug abuse, accidental, but it's there. Yes. Um, but that, uh, somewhere in the darkness, you just heard Harlan Ellison go because uh, it was intentional. Yeah. Original. Yeah. Exactly. Um, the fan production must display the following disclaimer. Oh, there's a whole thing. I didn't even get into it. It's legalese. Uh, you can't seek to register your works or elements of the of the works under copyright or trademark law. So basically, that makes sense. That does. But people, be careful. There's a loophole here, and the way that said is, if you create something, essentially, Paramount owns it. That Paramount likes, they can steal it from you. Yeah. So, I mean, which is the other thing I'd say is like, it, and we talk, talk, people talk about that in comics all the time. Yeah. Is if you've got a cool idea for a character, use it for yourself. Right. Create your own universe. Go ahead. Try that. And, uh. Why were there so many Wolverine knockoffs? Because. It worked. Well, yeah. you know, I mean, that's true. And, and why does Rob Liefeld have a career at Image? Every single one of his books was a knockoff. Yep. Deadpool was meant to be the foul-mouthed Spider-Man. He really was a combination of Spider-Man and Wolverine. And now he's pop more popular than either. Mm. And, uh, you know, but anyway, so and they can change these at, these guidelines at any time. So that, which I, I'm not surprised that they reserve that right. But, you know, it's a precedent. That's what I, I, I'm saying. I, I'm, I'm just uh, I'm just a little concerned about, you know, if, if Paramount is this, like I said, Lucasfilm has always had a very open uh, relationship to fan films. Certainly, uh, my friend, Ke well, I, you know, he's been on the podcast, Kevin Rubio, um, you know, a mate who works in Hollywood now, uh, you know, he made his breakthrough with Troops, the cops, yep. Star Wars crossover, really well done. And it got, and it served as a, as a, it got him notice. I think he was already working in Hollywood, but it got him notice you know, for it. And, uh, and last year it was at Akbar's 11. So, you know, he's done all these kind of fan film things where star Wars, ha Lucasfilm has turned a blind eye. Well, what happens when Disney says, Oh, Paramount's doing okay. It hasn't hurt them. I mean, my flip side is I think that it does hurt them because like you said, it may turn away the fandom and we can explore that comment in a moment because Chris Pine gave an interview this week saying you can't make, a thought-provoking Star Trek the way you could in the 60s. You can't do that in the movies now. To which I, I want to say, look, as much as I like Chris Pine as, as Kirk, Pine, shut up. Because the thing with movies is that it's not that you can't do it, it's that no one will. They're so afraid to take a risk and make something. Because look at, though not a perfect film, and people may even send in hate mail, I, I welcome it. We're saying like Interstellar was taking a shot at being an intelligent science fiction film. Now, some people yes. feel that it, and I, you know, I enjoyed it well enough. I think some people feel that it felt it fell short of the mark, but it tried and it did just fine. So you could give, you could have an intellectual Star Trek. Although the flip side is, I'd much rather be at home now watching, say, saying like with the TV series that they're gonna, the streaming series they're gonna do is when I think about like say ash versus evil dead you gave me a five hour evil dead sequel right that was perfect in half hour yeah, in 10, bites. 10 bites and that was enjoyable this week i forgot to write down but you know game of thrones 
This week's episode of Game of Thrones got me. Of course, granted, it was a, it's been a stressful few weeks at work, so yeah. I you know it was like I needed that. You needed the war. Something to something to happen. <laughs> I needed the Battle of the Bastards. Not a spoiler because it's the name of the episode. Yeah, but that it was so cathartic watching that, and I and I sat there watching, going, I can't believe this is how into it I am. Yeah. How worked up that got me in a way that I really don't think. Maybe The Force Awakens did this year, but nothing else really has come close. And even The Force Awakens... I don't know that The Force Awakens did. But I'm going to say, and, 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 and The Force Awakens to me was more a sense of nostalgia. Yes. It was not a sense... It was more, my God, it's happening again. Yeah, you but know, this time better than more, The Phantom Menace. More than the story, it was the fact that it's happening again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel you know, honestly manipulated by a lot of stuff. Game of Thrones didn't. I was listening to Kevin Smith talk, uh, repeat again about Buckaroo Banzai. He says there's going to be a major announcement on that. He's going to turn Mallrats in that. There's Fargo, the anthology series. There's so much good television that is taking risks narratively and drawing you in with characterization. I don't think movies can't do that anymore. I just think they won't do it. Right. So, so, start- so just, uh, just to put a little... Yeah, little statistical part on this. I've been hearing a lot of on on the on the internet. I have a hot drink, so I can't really do the. There you go. That was delicious. Mm, yeah, it was, but it just didn't have the same feeling of straw through ice. Um, probably both disturbing sounds, really, to our listeners. So on the internet, you're hearing a lot of people. A lot of people talk about things they have no idea what they're talking about. People are saying, well, th- I can't see how this law In fact, is there are two people at this table right now doing the same thing. Well, well we admit where we, there are people who say, I don't know how they can they can think this is enforceable. They can't do this to because if people... Well, yes, they if, can. No, no, I, <laughs> indeed, I but this is an example of what people are saying. If, if they make it with their own money and they do that, it's like you have no idea what you're talking about. But then you hear the people who say, this is going to kill Star Trek for for fans and they'll they're going to be all soured on it and we have to admit we have to look at this and say okay the people who are actually aware of this stuff is a a, a, you know a very small percentage of the market for star trek products and even the even you and i we both know about this we know about all the different series how many of you watched total all the way through Two. Okay, I've watched about four. I've watched one of Star Trek Continues to keep me. And yes. after Gallifrey One, I I promised Nick, uh, Vic that I would go and watch all of them. I talked to one of his producers at uh, Silicon Valley Comic Con, and I was very excited. And I said, I just haven't had time to get back to it because there's so much content. But when people say, and I've seen this on there was fandom that kept it alive, I say maybe that the, yeah. it, it wasn't fan films. I have loved, I can True. say, almost all of my life, since I was six years old, I have loved Star Trek. I loved it from the minute I watched it. Mm-hmm. The the first day I heard about it, someone told me, I've told that story on the podcast before, went into a comic book store to buy a comic book and when I was six with my parents, and instead the clerk told us about Star Trek, and I went home on and watched it on Channel 2 at 6 p.m., and I was hooked on Star Trek from that very moment. I've loved it my entire life. So I have watched... Two fan episodes, and they were damn good fan episodes. One, Walter Koenig was on, and then this one from Star Trek continues. And they're they're fine, but they were way outside. They had no impact on my love of the series. I had the Mago action figures, 
may they rest in peace. I don't know what happened to him. Uh, you know, I read a few of the novels over the years, many of the comics. Right. But that wasn't what kept my love alive. No. It was just loving what existed. But let's get some hard statistics in here, which is where I was going. The Star Trek continues, probably the most successful of the bunch and certainly one of the better quality products, yeah. better yeah. actors and stuff. On YouTube, which is just a sampling because they're also on their their main site as well. But YouTube is an arguably yeah. a big a big sample. From May 2013 to now, it's been viewed 1,252,000 times. Right. The second episode drops down to 832,000. And the third episode drops down to 560,000. I suspect if we were to look through all the episodes, they would continually Now, granted you, that's the same ratings as like Mad Men. But still, um, that's... That's over two years. Yeah, no, I, I know. I'm saying, you know, there was that's a, one of the things about pop culture is it's easy to fall into this bubble of popularity, but because everybody was like, say, talking about Mad Men. Yeah. Mad Men never got a rating of more than, I think, three million people watching it. Right. But they're the people that are in the media. So they're talking and it's echoing. And it's the same thing in fandom. And we talk about this a lot. Look, we try to break through the echo chamber. If you're listening to this podcast, you're listening to my voice right now. If you're listening to this podcast, you're part of our echo chamber. Yep. There's no, there's no question. You're listening because you like the things we talk about. But let's face it, it's not. I, I was listening to the Jay Thomas show today on Sirius XM talking about. Um, I don't even remember. I don't even know a sportscaster's name, but the guy that just started Any Given Wednesday, the HBO series, uh, HBO oh, talk yeah. show. He's uh, a sports thing, and Jay Thomas talked about him as these sports guys that are geeks. And I've said that before too, is that they're geeks. They're just geeks for sports, and somehow the culture yeah. has decided that's more acceptable. Than what we're geeky about. I, I love the the the, the saying that uh, fantasy football is D and D for jocks. Yeah, well, it's like I say, I, w- I work by the arena, the Shark Tank, and you know when the sharks are playing, it's like, oh, I know this game because there's all these cosplayers out, <laughs> and and then sports fans don't like it when I say that, but it's like it's just Ooh, that, what what team are you cosplaying? <laughs> it's just that well, I know because it's all teal and they've got the I name know, of their character. Well, you, you you pretend not to know. No, I'm not going to do that because um, those people used to threaten to beat me up <laughs> and i want to be fair about that because this is a week again where bullying is probably i was never actually no i think once somebody tried violence but mostly because i was at a school where my parents were both teachers so yeah. everybody was afraid to do anything but there was a lot of verbal abuse uh, so i'm copping to that publicly now but you know that's you know so i'm a little there but um but there but that is the thing is like i think if that two million people, let's 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 round them up, okay? Because how many are watching it on Star Trek Continues? Maybe, maybe sure. even four million, five million. That's still going to come in at total. If if you paid ten bucks a pop on that, say a movie ticket, that'd be fifty million. Star Trek Beyond, they got to shoot for like five hundred million. Right. They want our support. They don't need it as much as we want them to need right. it. And when I say we, I mean, you know, all of this. And I'm old enough to accept that and just say, like, I enjoy my fandom. And I say, all the lack of fan films won't impact me. But there are creative people. And as I say, having met the people, some of the people from Star Trek Continues and just admired what they did. Oh, it's man. Like, yeah. And I know they've got other careers. I enjoy the fact they exist. And, and, and that they're okay. It's like, let it fly, man. You know? The creativity is amazing. The stories that they've come up with, the... the, the um, uh, two years ago at Gallifrey, we watched the sequel to Mirror Mirror, right? Okay, and I didn't. I didn't, I didn't see oh, that you one. You missed but... that one. Um, just 
it's amazing. But you know, and, and that's I mean, and and that's what scares the studios is now the tools are the point. If you watch Star Trek and the one before too, it wasn't quite as good, but it was close. Uh, that other series, Star Trek Voyages, continue right, or something. Right, right. Star Trek continues is. Other than the fact that the actors are obviously different people than the original cast, because they have to be, it is a note perfect down to the grain. Like, Vic Mignogna studied to see how, how how grainy was the film stock. You know, down to be a perfect recre- recreation of the series. And you couldn't have done that 10, 15 years ago. And the studios are panicking because not only... Are they losing their grip on their IPs? And they have to double down. I get that. Yeah. But they're losing their grip on their audience. I don't... We should scientifically study this. You're the dig, you know, fan, digital fanboy here. Is like how... What's the what's the viewership on YouTube? There's a reason that YouTube turn, started YouTube Red, a paid service yep. with new I, IP. The guys that do Red versus Blue, Rooster Teeth, are doing a drama yeah. called The Fifth Day, the Five Days, Day Five. I missed their their thing at Baycon, but I, I just saw a thing. I just saw a thing, an interview with him about it, and it did sound really interesting. That Day Five, I think it's called Day Five, is starting. Um, that they're really experimenting, and there's a whole. I'm not their audience. They'll let me in. I'm grateful, but I mean, it's my kids discover that. Yeah, and I can't even. You know, there's some. And Jason Salazar said the same thing. The Sydney will do the same thing. It's like one weekend I had my son, and we he had me sit through an hour long YouTube conversation about Five Nights at Freddy, about the theories behind what's the plot. And I and part of me was going like, "Well, oh, this is n- nerdy." And I looked at myself and realized there was an irony to my saying Indeed. that. But but these guys are make you know they're they've got a huge viewership and a recognition among a generation that is not us and that that's why like disney bought marvel and why disney bought lucasfilm is they wanted to get that generation because right. they were losing them after they outgrew animated princesses but that's what you want to see though you want to see since we've got this shift going on maybe this caps it that we've got the shift going on to online to fan made and Paramount saying you can't do Star Trek anymore. So what if they stop doing Star Trek and they do their own property and they, and they become and they create something that actually does compete with Star say Trek, say like Babylon Five, yeah, or say like you know whatever the next version of Serenity is. That by the way, get I know that what I Fox. said was it, it was meant to just be a, a controversial dig. There's there there's I, a strong rumor. It's the other way around that J. Michael Straczynski pitched Babylon Five. And Paramount stole the idea for yeah, Deep for Space Deep Nine. Space Nine. Yeah. Well, there's one other Star Trek piece of news uh, in the greatest licensing thing, um, which I can hardly wait for the Star Trek. I'm so glad we're closing on this. That <laughs> it'll be the greatest uh, Star Trek fan film ever, just even better than my triple idea. Build-A-Bear is licensing Star Trek bears for the 50th anniversary of Star Trek. And I'm going to make a confession. I, uh, I have gone to Build-A-Bear for the very first time this past weekend because I made a vow to my son that uh, he could have a Pikachu when they licensed Pikachu oh, for Pokemon. My. And I went to the one in downtown Disney and they were sold out. And they said, no, they weren't going to get any more. And we went to Oak Ridge and we saw Pikachu in the window. So I uh. said, uh, happy Father's Day. 
how am I buying you things? But you know, I got him the the the, the Pikachu. So, so is it a It's just a Pikachu bear, or is it? No, a it's pi- a Pikachu. It's a Pikachu. It's a Pikachu. So so you can make it. We we went home. We uh, so what do you when you make it? Usually, when you make these things, you adorn them differently, right? Don't you? We did not. Well, we we bought the little sound recorder. So we went home. We found a, a Pokemon soundboard. Okay. So he chose the Pikachu self identification. That he liked the best. We recorded that off my computer. Went back, oh, and the, then we and so so he, when he squeezes his hand, it will say Pika Pikachu. Only much more like Pikachu would, yes, because I'm not. And uh, and then uh, and you stopped it. And they tried to sell us accoutrement, but you know he says like, but it's not a, it's not official. Then you can't put Pikachu in. So clothing. can I get a Pikachu dressed up in a Star Trek uniform? You could. Ah. You could. But can I get the phaser that they sell there? Or do I have to get the prop phaser from the Star Trek store? Exactly. You have to do that if you're going to film it. Okay. If it's just for... Because the, I was going to do this incredible Pokemon your, Star Trek mashup video done with bears. I don't know if it'll be incredible, but okay. Oh, it's be <laughs> More like jaw-dropping. We'll be like, <laughs> what's what wrong with you? <laughs> um, I should just have that on the soundboard. <laughs> what is wrong with you? Uh, so anyway, let's talk comics, uh, and we'll go through a little quickly. Uh, and we have a, we have a pronunciation controversy or controversy if you'd like. Um, and it's not a serious fight. It's just realizing that sometimes you, you meet people or you read right. their names and you never hear their name out loud. Or you have their art in your hallway. There you go. And you've never heard their name spoken aloud. You just read it, so you're pronouncing it a certain way in your head. Just as some of them are actually fictional. I was saying to somebody about Gail Simone. I said, like, I've talked to her. I really like her. Yeah. I, I don't think I'm revealing any secret to say that's not her real name. I have no idea what her real name is, uh-huh. nor would I say it if I did. But it's like, but I really honestly, you walk down and you go, Gail, Gail, and she'll stop and she'll talk to you. And it's like, sure. But that's not who she is, which is brilliant. But anyway, Colleen. Either it's Doran, Duran. I think it's Doran. Duran. Uh, I've always said Duran, but I realized tonight that it's because Duran Duran, which even in the movie Barbarella is Duran Duran, but the band Duran Duran pronounced their names that way. Right. Uh, so I've always just taken that O and made it Duran. So maybe it's Doran. She is going to draw the origin of faith for Valiant's ongoing faith number one that uh that miniseries was so successful that faith uh the plus size superhero and you know i mean that's even dismissive to say that it, she's just a great it's character a short, it's a she's cut. just it, it's, it, a, it's a story about not being caught up in your body image yeah there we go it's a great character it was a great miniseries it's got an ongoing and so colleen colleen doran is going to draw the uh first issue or at least a section of the first issue and i think that's great you know, one is just a great, great character. Colleen is a great artist. I'm very excited that Va- that Valiant got got that. Um, it has been noted that already, already, and I hate to say this because this involves two we- two this involves in. a friend. This involves a friend. Yeah, Superman number three is resolicited with a different art team than oh, Patrick Gleason darn. and Mick Gray, and I was afraid. Monthly was tough for Patrick Gleason. Yeah, Mick Gray. Mick's a good, a great Mick works to make it happen. Oh, absolutely! But already they're off, and that's why, like the Wonder Woman idea of alternating issues or different yeah. storylines with a different artist, 
would be the way to go. And I, I didn't call it out last well because I guess. But last, even then, you're kind of wondering: Are they gonna? Is there gonna be this week when they don't skip and they keep the same storyline two in a row because the other one wasn't ready, and then they'll see? Jump I don't ahead? know, and it's very interesting. I just. That's you can't go in there. That's and say, why I know I want Wonder Woman, but I only want the even numbers. I know comic books can't follow this uh, this model, but it, you know, be, well, they could, they won't, because that's just not the nature of the business. Yeah. Is that it's get a story done and then release it uh, in a trade in a uh, just, you know, even though the, well, the it's all timing, even though the features have been spotty, the the Legends of Tomorrow book from DC, I don't mind spending eight bucks because I got four good stories, and mm-hmm. you know, I'd. And they were all already done. But with Superman, I, I do want to say Superman Rebirth or well, sort of the Rebirth Superman number one with Patrick Gleason and Mick Gray inking. I was looking at that last week. Luscious. Going, one of, I hesitate to say he's the best inker because I know I, I, I know a lot of good inkers. I knew Keith Champagne, uh, Walden Wong. You don't have to compare him. To I don't. You Thank you. Thank he, you for taking me off the, off his, the hook his there. His inks are, I mean. I just think that he... Has such a master mastery of of the blacks, yeah. Of the just black totally. space, black is an is an is a is another color and in Patrick, the composition. And Patrick Gleason is a fantastic penciler, and that I mean, not to sell that short, it's just that I can always tell when Mick is inking, and in a good way. Like you know, Klaus Jansen as an inker, yeah, takes over somehow. Mick inks. And accentuate, but, but I can always tell it's Mick. Yeah, and it's just beautiful stuff. So I, uh, there, there was one page in that issue where it's it's a, a bigish panel, maybe the whole page, but Batman's down at the bottom of it, and Superman's up above, and you're just going, oh, this is. You can see a little tear in Batman saying, "Mick's you, not inking me anymore." You know, uh, and saying, "Mick, I'm not like like necessarily trolling for free art, but you know that would be great." Um, because we we talk yeah, but anyway, um. It is a shame that actually you can follow Mick on Facebook, and he occasionally does have art to sell, and he will put it up there, and you can get in touch yeah. with him directly. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so there's there's some great stuff because I I was thinking today, and I'll get to it when it's uh, you know when it's my choice when we play what's in the bag. So I'll, I'll, I'll pop that, but it is falling behind, and that is a problem with the with the twice a month books. Is I'm just it was tough enough with New Fifty Two. Oh yeah, I appreciate it. You know, because the other thing is. Let's just get back to a model where that dreaded deadline doom. We said, okay, give me a reprint, but you can't do that anymore. And that's, you know, that's how the model change. IDW is releasing Revolution in September. We are getting the official crossover of the Hasbro verse. We've been hearing about this for a while, haven't we? Well, we knew that they had we all these properties, but they have, so it is Revolution. I mean, ROM meeting the Micronauts, meeting Mask, meeting G.I. Joe, meeting Transformers. The uh, the thing that has me most interested about it is when those inevitable films come, will they follow the comics? Mm. Are is IDW setting the tone for what these films are about now? And the other interesting thing, because I think we had this question, and I saw visual confirmation this week. Chris Ryle, the uh, editor in chief of of IDW. We are Facebook friends, which doesn't mean we're actual friends. He'll have a conversation with me. I'll tell you about one later. But um, he posted, he was at the licensing show. And he said, who would have thought? So there's the ROM comic book. Right. There's T-shirts with ROM coming with, like, the Bill Sienkiewicz cover. Like, you know, so beautiful, beautiful T-shirts. 
most importantly, an actual ROM reproduction figure. Oh, how tall? The original size. So 12 inch. Yeah. So it's coming back. ROM um, is coming back as a figure. Has it may have actually been like back. 13 or 14 inches. I feel like he was taller, but I didn't have one. I, you know, I'm pretty sure he was bigger than our G.I. Joe's. It, there was a major man mason had a jupiter figure there was a alien a saturn, a giant a guy from saturn, saturn. Yeah. yeah so um that's what he always struck me as the size but i don't know i you know like i said i, I never actually held one i only saw the box in yeah. kitty world uh so it's there it's time to play what's in the bag what our is- choices this week What's in the bag? I well, I took we took them all out of the bag. So, what's up for yours first? Uh, I'm going to start with a little issue, a number one from Marvel, another Star Wars book. It's called The Force Awakens. And is it any relation to the film? It may be. Um, no this 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 was something I expected to have come out. I really expected this to come out much earlier, closer mm-hmm. to when the film was still in the theaters or. Exactly my problem. With and it. when when it did show up, and I, I read through it, I was thinking a lot about when we originally got the Star Wars trilogy comics, and even the Treasury Edition yes. graphic novels and yes. all that other stuff. We didn't have VCRs. We didn't, and even if we no. had VCRs, we probably couldn't have afforded to own. We could possibly get them at a video rental place. Well, a VCR was, in those days, they did exist. Yes. Because here's my recollection, that somebody, some friend of my parents said, he was a Lockheed engineer, and he said, I got a pirate uh-huh. VHS tape of Star Wars. And yeah. I think it was still in the theaters. Um, but it was all snowy. It was like, yeah. you know, it's like, okay, nth, don't nth come generation. after me now. I believe it's a statute of limitations yeah. now. I was, oh, no, I, I, was a, a, I, had, I was 11. Okay. I had Empire Strikes Back and the snow scene at the beginning was really was snowy. Really snowy. Um, they exist, but yeah, people won't, it's like the cheapest VH, VCR was like 900 bucks. Yeah. The tapes were like eighty, ninety dollars. Yes, you know. So yes. Anyway, go back to your point. So, but so we essentially didn't have the same access to the media because the the it wasn't a year after the films came out that it used to be like the film would come out and it'd be like a year before you'd be mm-hmm. seeing it on video. Now it's like the film comes out. The film came out December of last year, right? And we've had it. Since March, April, yeah, March. I so think. you know, four or five months, and I know I've watched the I've watched the thing two, three times since I've gotten mm-hmm. that. So when I opened this book, and I'm going, okay, what can make this book that much more exciting for me than instead popping the DVD and uh, the Blu-ray into the player? And I'm thinking, well, maybe the art, maybe the way they expose some new stuff or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, have you read this yet? No, I didn't buy it. You didn't buy it. So we have the first page, which is a long time ago in the galaxy far away. And then we do a two-page spread for just the Star Wars logo. You've lost me. And then then we do the crawl on another full page. So You've four, lost me. Four full pages before we get to a story where they already start with Poe Dameron being captured. You've lost me. Yeah. So... And the art isn't really all. I don't, I don't know who the artist is on this. Wendig Ross Martin. Martin is not my old friend Gary Martin, but uh, no. Uh, and Wendig is Chuck Wendig, who yeah. wrote the uh, Star Wars Aftermath novels. Right. 
Oh, that's right. Yes. Um, Luke Ross and Frank Martin. Um, so I, and this is, this is not a cheap book. This is a five buck book. And we're, we're going to get, I think we're going to get four, uh, three more, maybe four. I'm more. not sorry I missed it then. I mean, I do know that one of the problems was that everything had to be approved. Yeah. And as, as we said, like there was, there was going to be a prequel series to Rogue One. And that's been canceled. Yeah, there's nothing there. That- the, the art is, the art is um, perfunctory. And uh, there, I mean, the I dialogue know. is pretty much from the movie, but uh, abridged. They're definitely on model. Look, and this, this bit. You know how do you how do you capture the amazing um, fight as Poe and Finn escape? You know that's pretty much it. The crash landing on the like, okay. I mean, well, yes, and and you're right in all these things. There's there's other things that went on. Um, I, I don't think the art is as perfunctory as, as you just dismissed, but it, but it is not. The layout is perfunctory. I'll give you that. I, I think that this is uh, the characters are on model in a way that they uh, are a model and they are recognizable, which is and, not a, know, not a case with a lot. Because I'm I looked up a, pa- a page here and I go, oh, and that is very clearly Oscar Isaac, and that is very clearly John Boyega. Yeah. But the thing is also when the original series came out, there wasn't this attention to you had to have approval, and like you look right. at that first Marvel Star Wars. And there are whole scenes that were not in exactly. the movie. Exactly. You know, but this did not hold my interest because for exactly what you prefaced it is, we are at the age where it's like I don't read novelizations of movies either. Right. Whereas it used to be almost every mo- horror movie of the 70s, I read the novel because I wasn't allowed to see the film. And that's how I know their stories is like through through those. I read the novelization of Force Awakens mm-hmm. and it was better than I expected. There was a... There were a few things that I didn't get from the film where there's internal monologue that you don't get because it's not, they're not doing film noir. But the, the idea that this stuff is all like secondary now because we, we have the films already. And this is, this is an old model being followed still because we always have. And if you're going to charge five bucks an issue, there's another thing that I was thinking is you're going to charge five bucks an issue for that. That means that their trade paperback or their hardcover because that's what it'll be first. Yes. It's gonna be twenty five or thirty bucks. Yep. You can actually get the movie for less than that. Yep. So. So there you have it. Sorry, it's in my bag this week, but I it's, no, I it's, it's more of a. Uh, I like when occasionally we have one that it's like it's keeping somebody away from. Yeah. I'm not gonna keep somebody away from. Let me start with probably a, a thing that I really did enjoy. Um, DC Universe Rebirth, uh, Wonder Woman number one. With Greg Rucka returning, and he'd done the Wonder Woman Rebirth book as well. Right. Um, and Liam Sharp doing, and there's a Martin here too, so I'm wondering if it's Gary Martin. I would love to see Liam Sharp get inked by Mick Gray. I'm just, I'm just very curious. Laura Martin is the uh, colorist. So, actually, I would not like I think Lu- she did the the Rebirth I don't, special issue too. so then i take this back i don't want i don't want liam to be oh inked. no that's right the first the 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 lead into that book the the yeah. wonder woman rebirth not rebirth wonder woman i don't right. know how we refer to these but um the first half of the book was one artist and then it went to the, the right. other artist in the second right. half but it wasn't nicholas scott who is the artist on the alternating you right uh, arc but this first issue so the odd numbered issues are currently scheduled to be Liam Sharp on art. 
This now can be told. When it was announced as him, I emailed him and I said, because Liam and I have known each other for many years because he's worked for, was one of the founders of Madefire, and I've been a fan oh. of their work, and you ran into him at Silicon Valley Comic Con as yep. well. Um, so he and I have always had a good rela- good relationship, and I emailed him and I said, I'm so excited for you because it's long overdue that, sadly, it's beautiful work for Madefire, by the way, Motion Comics and, and, and his work there, but that there's going to be people that are going to walk into a shop because they know the movie's coming and they want to see what's Wonder Woman. And here's Liam Sharp's going to be the iconic version for a lot of people walking in. Their first Wonder Woman comic is going to be him. And it is lush. She looks vaguely yeah. Greek. Yeah. He's really good at drawing people of different body types, and even though it's definitely got a lot of superheroic um, stereotypes too, um, it's a beautiful, beautiful book. Luscious art. Um, interesting story so far. I can't blame who the antagonist is. It's sort of like this is what happens when you there are certain you just have to hit certain buttons when you start a story over. Uh-huh. But the interesting thing about this arc is that Wonder Woman is in meta commentary, acknowledging that her own sense of her own origins is as muddled as every reader's. That every oh, yeah. time it starts, you know, so. This is a really, really good book. I mean, that came really clear in the preview. What do we call those? The the rebirth, the preview issues. I guess preview the starter issues. issues. I don't know. I mean, but it was. A, they had that one panel where she breaks the mirror and yeah. she's saying, "I don't know." I, which I'm um, I'm I'm annoyed at those because they were really more. Some of them because they were really more recent. Like I said, the only one that worked for me was the truly arrow. accomplished. Was I bought Green Arrow number yeah. one last week or two weeks ago? Yeah, last week. And after having bought the Rebirth issue, it went, yeah, I'm suddenly buying Green Arrow. Yeah, that was sold out at uh, It was really good. Hijinks. It's yeah. really good. So, And Wonder Woman is on track for that. Um, Aquaman's number one, it was pretty good. Um, but this is a very solid book, so I recommend that. Next on yours? So are you going to do this one? Yes, I think okay. I would like to. I'll leave that one. I'll, I'll do these Because two, that was sold out. I did uh, not pick up that one that's okay. at the top right now. So uh, I'll do this one because uh, – I don't usually buy Flash, and I bought the um, I bought the first two, and I may read this for a while because this is the book that I think they'll they'll at least intimate the Flashpoint reversals and the the time change. That's a good that. point. I was going to pick it up anyway, but it was sold out when I got there today. So I think this is the this is going to be for a while. And I don't think they're going to go to it very fast because they're doing other things in the book, but I think for a while this will be the book where all the things that that changed and you've already had he's already met he's Kid Flash has come back. He's met with Batman again. He's he talks about the detective and how the detective will figure this all out so um i think that this is probably going to be worth my while picking up trying to see them undo some aspects see, because of flashpoint flip side, i had an irritation with titan's rebirth because because the, it's really just part three of retelling the same story of wally coming back okay over and over and my comparison was and maybe you can remember exactly which issue of the flash this was in the 70s when carrie bates the writer of The Flash um, went through a weird pressure change on his way to his high school reunion, and he drove, and suddenly his hometown turned into Central City, and he met Barry Allen. Yeah. 
there was one panel that I will always forget because it was like you always forget. And I'd always I'll remember because I could because it always stuck struck me as like I didn't understand the dramatic push. But he's like, I have no. It is a thought balloon of I have no time for this. Have to get drastic. Barry Allen, you're the Flash, and I can prove it. And he leaps forward and he presses the ring. And releases the costume and blah, blah, blah. One page is all it takes for all the explanation to happen in that story while, for the rest of the story, other things happen. Yes. And Titan's rebirth number one was just Wally, when he touches somebody, his lightning brings back their memories. So, of course, when he fights the Titans, he has to touch one individually have three or four pages of them remembering and then he touches another one, another one and it's just <laughs> like oh for gosh sakes get to the meat give yeah. me something yeah it was badly paced well there's a there's a line in this one where or maybe it was in the first, in the rebirth issue where they're running alongside and he says you still use do you still use the ring and, and then he, and he shows how he uses the speed force to yeah. adjust the molecules of whatever he's wearing into another costume yeah so yeah, that was there you are yeah. Uh, so anyway, that's that's there's that. I would love the TV show to pick up the ring though; it'd just be fun. So next on my stack is Justice League Fifty Two, which is there aren't going to be many books like this. Yeah. Um, this is essentially really a one shot story um, with Lex Luthor. Here's we were talking about editorial at the timing. This takes place after several issues yes. of what's already happened in Rebirth. Yes. So I have that criticism. I just wish this story... And in I particular, know. I think it's, it's action. Is action yeah. where he's showing up? Uh, it's No, because I have it. Or it is, is he, action. It, it is, is action. action. So because I have it. In the first issue of action, yeah, Superman shows, shows up. So first issue of action came out the week before this one came out, and Superman had already exposed, exposed himself. He ex- he exposed the fact that he was he was taking back the role yeah. from Lex, and now we have the Justice League where all the leaguers are going. Lex doesn't know. Should we tell him? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, and yet, if you are someone just casually picking it up, it's not a bad book, and it's not a bad book to give a kid. Um, you know, which I want to see, which I do think is what DC is trying to do. Um, this book was amazing in the characterization of Luther in a way that should have been in his own book. Because in, in yes. the Justice League book, you actually get a Luther who's, talk, who's thinking through why, why he's he doing to it. be good, why he yeah. wants to do the right thing, and and you can even and, and see which the re- begrudging and which acceptance re- and of which what Superman rebirth, was. Rebirth sold me on this, that I thought that uh, you know Luther in Forever Evil turning becoming a hero was very self-serving and of course it was yeah but um that that the old earth superman makes a comment or a thought about how this is that he has to really treat this luther as not the one he knows Uh and that that's really a hard conflict for him because he's used to looking at that face and seeing evil but 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 he's acknowledging that this one isn't right. That it's not the same level that the old one was, and or that the pre that the one he knew was. And I think that's interesting what they're doing in action with that idea of like Doomsday showing up and and this right. And that Superman is seeing these pieces of his old existence, and they're using it to talk about well, yeah, there were differences, and this is what. And, and in some ways, it's the apology of like, well, this is what we were trying to do. Yeah. 
Yeah. And you know. well, the other thing about this, about this Luther, I mean, you've got the it's almost like the Nora Freeze thing because yes. he's got his sister who's in a coma and he's got to do the right thing by Lena, her. Lena. Lena, who is, by the way, joining the cast of the TV show Supergirl. Right, so. right, right. Um, so but not in a coma. Um, we don't know that. We don't know that. You're right. It could be like a season long like Clark Kent Superman was on that show. But then the true irony is he has just come back from. Apocalypse. apocalypse it was an, uh, Where, don't, don't spoil because the thing is even if you read it out, out this is the justification when last we left luther if you had read this all in order right. in justice league 50 he was on dark side's throne on apocalypse right you pick up a action comics two weeks ago and he's shown up in his armor and he says he's going to carry on in the name of the dead superman right and this issue explains why he has made that decision and I think we've spoiled too much already. Are, okay, we, we won't, I don't think this is a spoiler. This is just an, an observation. That if you're describing scenes in the last three or four pages. No, I'm not. I, I'm it, not. I'm not. The observation is that Luther was an alien on Krypton. Oh, no, on, not Krypton. On, on, on Apocalypse. On Apocalypse, yes. But he was the one who was bringing order and peace mm-hmm. to it, much the way Superman was an alien on Earth. Yeah. And yeah, that was. We've said too much. I, okay. I mean, I'm looking at it. It's the last you're talking things in the last four or five. Is pages. it okay? Yeah. So it's okay. I know. I, I know. Didn't think he, I didn't think he'd made that. Yes. Observation. Yes. Himself. Okay. Yes. Um, I mean, you inferred some of it, but it's okay. you know, it's in the, it's near the end of the story. So um, you, next on yours, the the next the last thing for mine is uh, issue 13 of Robin, Son of Batman, which brings a very nice uh, a nice arc to a close and a book to a close uh this this has been a story this has been the arc of redemption for mm-hmm. for the character and has really kind of put uh, J, uh put um damien into the batman role really where he mm-hmm. he has to he is expecting of others what batman expected of him and he has redeemed other characters that he had fought throughout the series and now they're all and in closing this, it out and in this rebirth we needed damien to reach that point yeah he's still going to be cocky he, he's still damien he's still damien but he's going to be a lot fam- family friendlier books actually i think these have been family friendly yeah but there have been moments definitely in damien's history where and i watched those animated films which i think captured the character well but it's always a little like, uh, uh, I wouldn't show an actual 10-year-old what Damien is. But maybe. Right. You know, it's it's it always leaves me with a little bit of a, uh, but, you know. Yeah. And I, but and I love the character. The the And Goliath is, uh, is I hope we see Goliath in the future, too. I hope it's not just going to be uh, a character that was well, just for this run. How could he not be in, in Super Sons? I mean, he's still a bat cow. How could he not be in Super Sons? I, you know. Um, and which is another thing is definitely be picking up action Superman to just see the development of Jonathan Smith, oh, yeah. Yeah. the boy try, who you know is definitely you can already see. Although they've done a couple things where I'm like, oh, this is already a little disturbing, but I get it. Yeah. Uh, but you can also see how he's going to be a good foil for Damien, and Damien will be a good foil for him. So my last is I'll, I'll go quick because I really haven't read it yet. I'm but, looking forward to that book. But the totally awesome Hulk, which is a Civil War two cover number seven is an explanation now for where Bruce Banner has been. So, um, And is it Dave Vassart inside, too? 
Uh, yeah, look, it, it is. It's uh, Alan Davis, oh, right. anchor Mark Farmer. That's awesome. He does a great Hulk. He does a great banner. So I'm I'm really looking forward to this read. Uh, and I, besides that, I love the totally awesome Hulk as a book. I love seeing Abadeus Cho in the car- mm-hmm. in the role. But I do want to know what happened to Banner, and that was Perry at Elusive Comics. He's like, oh, I love this book, but it's Bruce Banner. And I'm like, you got to explain it. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm looking forward to it. So we'll see. Let's um, let's talk a little movies. We were just talking about Star Wars: The Force Awakens, the comic book adaptation, and now it's an interesting conundrum in Star Wars: Rogue One, which is due to come out in, in December. Disney executives are wondering, do we do the crawl? Since it's an anthology, it's a story. It's a Star Wars story, not one of the regular, sh- the, you know, the right. episodes of the series. Do they? Do they find a new entrance? Find be creative. It do would something be, new. It, well, I mean, it's an interesting question that I just didn't think about. Uh, that it never occurred to me that that would be an issue. Yeah. But I'm like, I bet there are some people who would be like, well, "Where's the crawl?" Just like there were people. Let that, those people wake up. And smell the toast. Just like I heard people saying, like, when The Force Awakens came out, I need that the 20th Century Fox right, opening. Right, right. It's weird to see Disney. And I it's moved on. It's just, a, it's just an aesthetic piece. But I do yeah, understand. You still have it. They're on the DVDs. And but, I, I, but, but here, I mean, it is so iconic that's, that Marvel... Doesn't have to pay an artist for three three pages because they put the crawl in <laughs> four pages. Okay, I'm sorry, four pages. That's right. It was a two page splash page that just says Star, Star Wars. Wars. Pull out poster kids of the same logo that's been around since 1977, which I had on my wall in 1977. <laughs> uh, so they did confirm, uh, kind of to me, like, well, we sort of already knew this because the promise has been there all along. Yeah, the Darth Vader will be in Rogue One, and that James Earl Jones has is returning to voice it. And how do you feel about that? Well, I'm fine. It makes sense to me that Darth Vader would be in it. He had clearly been a very, at least in the rebellion. Yeah. Everybody knew who he was. You know, Princess Leia, Darth Vader. Only you could be so bold. You know, so yeah. it, it's it's clear to me that he. Well, I mean, Doug, we saw Revenge of the Sith. You know. And and I've certainly read enough of of Marvel's Darth Vader comic. Uh, you know that that he's floating around. So. I mean, I know it's not going to be Dave Prowse. It hasn't been... I don't think it was in um, Revenge of the Sith either. Yeah, I don't think it was in Sith. Uh, but I also understand that because uh, Dave Prowse... But he didn't really walk that play. much in Sith. No, no. But I, but I don't think that... And he's that. It's just like Chewbacca. You know, it's nice that Peter Mayhew came back in, but really almost all Chewbacca's action was done by another actor. Yeah. You know, and they made no secret about that. It's nice that they give that back. So I'm I'm fine with... It will be weird on the day that James Earl Jones can't be Darth Vader anymore. And that's what I was thinking about. It's kind of like this is an opportunity where you could say let's let's do another let's get let's get another actor in there. I mean, I don't feel I'm no, not, no, I don't think they I'm should not, because they I'm even not, used him in um, Rebels. In Rebels, okay, yeah. But again, Rebels is not not the same number of people watching as the rest of Star Wars. No, but I think it's growing. I think as Star Wars fandom goes in, they release Agreed. again. But for the reason you just said, yeah. I said this is a good point where you could say, okay, we're going to we're gonna go for another voice like that, but we're not going to use James because we don't want, yeah. It's just, it was just, I just thought it was an opportunity to kind of switch things but up. But I think of it as like Alan Young voicing Uncle Scrooge until he died. It's yeah. like, if he still can, we want sure. to hear that. Sure. Um, although I was a little nervous at the Tony Awards and he came, he, James Earl Jones presented with Angela Lansbury uh-huh. and his voice just, 
you know, I mean, I'm sure I'm sure that he can get back into the tones when he needs to. But he was he sounded very he looked very frail yeah. on the Tony Awards. Uh, Angela Lansbury, frankly, looked tougher. But I've seen her on stage in the last year. She is tougher. There's no doubt. She's yeah. tough, tough yeah. old broad. Um, so and that's interesting. There was a release that about a month ago, there was a big press junket on the set of Justice League. And all the stories this week are, it's going to be lighter tone. It's going to be fun. And uh, look at these characters smiling. And the Superman is going to be inspired by it when he comes back from the dead to see how all these heroes have, have gathered in his name. And... So, you know, we're going to see that happen. It's almost biblical. Almost. Uh, and, uh, gee, um, we should say once again, Superman really wasn't meant to be a Christ figure. He really wasn't. He was meant to be a Moses figure. That's different. Mm. Um, but uh, that Ben Affleck was saying, like, well, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not in a hurry to make them schedule the Batman film. I want to get the script right, which I'd like to hear. Yeah. And he says, and he says I'd like to really make the... I'd like to focus on the world's greatest detective. Yes. And I'm very excited about that. The other interesting thing out of it. I would say that's part of it. But I think the world's greatest detective is also the world's most paranoid man who has a plan for everything. And that's what I want to see. And that was sort of missing from Batman v Superman because he wasn't that great a detective if he could be so easily fooled. Yeah. Uh, But uh, he was still a good performance. Uh, The other thing that got confirmed out of there was that Willem Dafoe is playing Volko. Uh, Aquaman's royal advisor. Uh, I guess the new Fifty Two changed his look. Hmm. You know, he was always portrayed older in the stories that I read as a kid. But I think he's younger, thinner, and uh, you know, more dynamic physically than uh, in the new Fifty Two than he had been in the previous comics. So okay. it's interesting. I don't know. I'm super. Did you see the pictures of J.K. Simmons as? as Working out to become uh, Commissioner Gordon? No, I did not. Oh, Jiminy Christmas, look that up. <laughs> J.K. Simmons is like frighteningly ripped. Luke saw that picture and went, um, that's the one that's going to climb into the bat, into the armor, right? Because he is just like, there's a picture of him doing the weights and it's just like, holy crud. It gives you hope. Um, I think you need to add a couple hours a day to your workout. I don't have time for this, but maybe you do. <laughs> um, but it's... It's astounding the work he's doing to get into shape for this film. Um, Brian, wow. you just saw it and you say, wow. Um, if you would, you know, I, I'll be honest. Sometimes the Photoshop see of with my picture, if you would put my face on that, you know, that's, that's the, that's the, that's the fanboy planet podcast illustration this week. <laughs> Derek looking that good. No, it's never going to happen. I already did you as plastic man. You know, why can't I be commissioner Gordon too? Um, Brian Cranston was announced this week as being in the cast of Power Rangers, playing Zordon, the alien who gathers them all together. And it, for a split second, that was a weird thing. Like, Brian Cranston's doing Power Rangers? He doesn't need to. He just played LBJ. Yeah, see, look at that. Rick just showed me on his pad a picture of... It's just, it's, it, you know, the, the arms are pretty amazing, but the beard is like... I think that's just so that he could he could try that's to... Like, that's so he, nobody recognizes him for the work. Just in case he made a fool of himself. Uh, it's frightening. Um, but I realize Brian Cranston, some of his earliest work in Hollywood was he was a voice and a, like a random thug in the original Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. So he's coming back around to to say thanks to basically what started, what gave him food money uh, when he was starting out. So he's going to be the alien 
not and what do you say not overlord the alien mentor figure for the power rangers oh okay so the the, the yeah. home base character zordon not to be confused with with emperor zardon of voltron right is it zardon i just started watching it i'm not i'm not a voltron allowed, i'm not heard. allowed to watch ahead luke and i started uh, so i'm gonna oh, seg, i'm gonna segue into television because voltron just one more thing about cranston is that apparently he's getting a big nostalgic crush this week because he also said he'd love to be in a malcolm in the middle uh well i mean there's the thing is like he i've met him he's very he doesn't take himself too seriously no i I, I think but he's also one of those being very grateful that he's what he's had and and he knows what got what he says he still he still keeps in touch with all those people and he enjoys them so you know i i would be intrigued to see i think this is so awesome because he's done such such straight stand-up uh dramatic roles yeah i would be very interested to see i mean part of the malcolm in the middle thing is i want to know um where's frankie muniz um but anyway um to say voltron legendary defender the reboot of the anime and we said on on our last podcast i said you know we'll get i I had an interview with emperor zardon neil kaplan who was the san jose based actor or or, or, with san jose origins uh that he and i have been friends for a long time and so i had an interview with him like six years ago so i I just reposted that on fanboy planet into 3.0 but he 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 would like to you know call in sometime when we know and can schedule ahead and have have him in, but I started watching it because I had because I said I told Luke, "Hey, um, can we give this Voltron a try?" Because my my friend is is the villain. I just want to see what it's like because so many people are like nuts about it. I never watched the show yeah. originally, so I got I've got nothing now. Gaz, huge Voltron fan, yeah, super excited. Shannon Eric Denton, another friend, totally a huge Voltron fan, and so we watched one episode. It was an hour long pilot on Netflix. And I was like, oh, this is, this is pretty good. And Luke got really absorbed into it. And so we ended up watching three episodes last weekend. And then we didn't finish the third episode before we had to go. And he said, uh, you can't watch ahead. Okay. So, like, now we have a show we're sharing, which so uh, thank you, Voltron, because I'm I'm drawn in enough to see, like, oh, this is what the fuss was about, kind uh-huh. of, why people got excited. I suspect this version is better, and it has Tyler Labine, who's one of my favorite uh, character actors as well. Aside from Neil Kaplan being on there, actors that I really like. Uh, I like Neil, too, obviously, but I mean, you know, actors that I, whose careers I've followed as well. And gone, oh, you know, this is this is pretty cool. So it's uh, it's interesting, and I had to look up on, on uh, Wikipedia as to why I remembered two different kinds of Voltrons. Like, the lion is the one that they're using on Netflix, and I remember right. one with ships. I was like, oh, it was a completely unrelated series where sh- where... Uh, cars turned into or spaceships turned into a robot that looked like Voltron and they translated it all to be the same. So I was like, ah, thank you for answering that mystery. But this is the lions and it's, and you talk about a generational shift, like because Justice League versus Teen Titans does this where everybody has their, all the Teen Titans have an anime transformation sequence right in there. And to me that was like, oh, it's so anime. And Luke is just like, I love these. I love these. And so when you see Voltron form together as the to become Voltron, it's like, oh, I get it. It's like, I don't know what it would be equivalent to. I guess when I was a kid watching Batman, what we just called Batman then, but Batman 66, how I would love that concept of I lived for that Shakespeare bust and the, the bookcase sliding aside. And of course, oh. that sequence was always the same. But I loved it. But for me, it was it was the few episodes where they had the Bat motorcycle and Robin in the sidecar. They 
the go kart sidecar that yeah, but I mean, but I, what I'm saying is the, the, the repetitive sequence. Oh, I see. Being the, the, that that thing that was uh, always you needed that to make that the episode is like. I was always disappointed if uh, if I missed the part where they slid down the bat pole. That was I my see. favorite part, okay. of, even though it made no sense why they would go down. Even the though pole. they're using the same footage over yes, and over again. Yes, yes, absolutely. Or when the turbines to speed, you know, it's always that, and it's just so I, I got it that, that it's like, and it is kind of cool. I'm like, yeah, I am interested to see. I love those kinds of things where like, oh, the lion's mouth becomes a hand. How did that work? How did that transformation? But so fun series. I mean. Far from the first one to say it, and I'll be far from the last one. People are eating that up on a Netflix. Um, the dream from DreamWorks Animation, part of their deal there. I assume I'm obviously I'm nowhere near finishing it, but I'm, I'm assuming there will be a second season in production. I don't know, but that's my assumption. Uh, very excited there. Grant Gustin tweeted out, got permission from Greg Berlanti to confirm that season three of Flash begins with Flashpoint. That at the end of season two, he went back and stopped the murder of his mother. And so now they're going to do the ramifications, the ramifications in Flashpoint form, which would be interesting. So the big thing is on Earth 2, they implied that Robert Queen was the one who lived and Oliver Queen died. So that Robert Queen is the one going around as Arrow, the older actor. So it would be interesting to see if they complete, and- complete that. Um, no, you know, because... Arrow was so clearly right. The Batman in a universe that can't use Batman, right? Will they take that that far of Flashpoint and make it that way and and, and bring back that Jamie Sheridan? I think was his, it was the act, actor who played the dad. Um, well, I, I I was just inferring that if they were going to do an alternate Arrow, I'd like to see one that looked more like the Oliver Queen. But they've already implied but on. The, but they they're already implied doing... in Legends of Tomorrow that he would become that. Yeah, because he he had the goatee for the for right. that in the future. So, uh, you know, I, I'm fine with that. I want to see the red eyes of uh, of the casino Thomas Wayne uh, on Robert uh-huh. uh, Robert Queen. Um, it will be interesting, being as there is a four part crossover in December, to see if they are going to use that as a way to undo how how far will the ramifications be? Right? Will the show Arrow be reflecting that Barry is living Flashpoint? Will Legends of Tomorrow have that? And it shouldn't touch Supergirl being as she's already established as a different Earth. But will the undoing of Flashpoint bring them all into one universe? Yeah, I think it's going to be a mini crisis on infinite, on, on finite Earths. and On four. And then, crisis on four Earths. Uh, wait, is it four? Yes. Uh, crisis on three. Because you have Earth one, Supergirl Earth. Well, you'd have to go back to Earth two. So it is four. Uh, and Earth three is where the Justice Society yeah. is. Uh, and you get and you get uh, Jay Garrick. Back so they all get society. merged. I would love to see that yeah. because you're all there. Let's let's just do it. Let's just see it. Um, we missed the news that Sci-Fi gave the green light to the Krypton series, the comic book series that I want to see even less than I like than I want to watch an episode of Lucifer. Um, really? Well, the only thing they did that's interesting is is they announced like the characters are going to be there. So. Super, you know, Jor-El's, uh, Kal-El's grandfather. So Jor-El's father. Okay. And, and, uh, Jor-El's grandfather. So you have Superman's grandfather and great-grandfather. If you've ever been wondering what the exciting adventures <laughs> of two generations, a generation before the planet destroys itself would be like. But what they announced that made me interested was that Dev M who is the knave of Krypton and Legion of Superheroes stories and old Superboy stories, uh-huh. is one of the characters. Okay. So it is reaching back into a little bit of established 
characterization. It will be interesting to see. I think he's supposed to be set up as like the House of L's best friend, you know, whatever. I can't remember what the name is. Seg L, I think is the grandfather's name they're establishing. Um, And that Dev M is friends with him. That would be interesting. Now, if you... Do we know anything about who's directing it or anything? The production is sci-fi. Oh, oh, I do know. I'm sorry. It's um, also why I'm not excited about the series is it's uh, the guy that ruined... um, Well, he wrote the Blade movies and... uh, wrote uh, man of steel with uh with Zack snyder uh oh. david blank um yeah you know who i mean is he he wrote the david s goyer ah yes. david s goyer is producing and setting the tone for this and and so it's coming from an era of the studio and, and a corner of the studio that seems to have a love-hate relationship and a misunderstanding of what these characters are about it's interesting i you know there was a while i think it was in the 90s or maybe the late 80s, when one of the Superman books was always having a backup Tales of Krypton story. I remember those, yeah. And I loved those. The I, 70s I, and 80s. They is were it 70s early, and 80s? Yeah, yeah. Um, I just, I, I thought those were fascinating science fiction. I loved the, the Kryptonian settings. And I, my only fear is that, uh, maybe if it's sci-fi, I could easily see this turning into like interstellar, WC, uh, CW well, families that, I, fighting each other. And that's my problem. Is like yeah. I don't see a direction where this is going to go where we don't see it coming. You know, I, yeah. I guess is what, I, is what I mean by it. It's like it's not an interesting idea to me because the most interesting thing, although I will grant you, one of my favorite parts about Man of Steel is seeing Russell Crowe as Jor-El mm-hmm. on Krypton. Yeah. Like, oh, I could have probably watched that. But that was Russell Crowe as Jor-El. Sure. I'm not positive that seeing the character meant to be his father yeah. is who I want to see around. Because because it's like, now again, granted, I'm way behind on Gotham. But what I know about Gotham's plans are you're already kind of jump-starting everything about sure, Batman sure. too soon. Yeah. What can you do with Krypton ex- except that, the thing is, you you don't want to give it to somebody who is like you wouldn't, for example, going to give it to the guy who's writing Vampire Diaries or any right. any of those stories. You want to give it to somebody. Shoot, give it to the uh, man. How are the guys who did the Expanse do a treatment on it? Well, no, because they're busy doing. The I know, expanse. I know, but that's. <laughs> not, I'm, I'm, I'm obviously coming up with a dream. You know, find somebody who's doing hard sci-fi stories and say Krypton. Give me something. Give but, me something but that's even then, big I, I sci-fi. Guess, I guess here's my problem. Don't, don't it, give me a little. My problem is that anything they do doesn't have to be Krypton. And and that's, you know, anything yeah. that would interest me doesn't have to be Krypton. So why do Krypton? Why not create your own thing? Because I don't think it's going to drive any, anybody in. But I realized as I, I was thinking of something snarky, but I, and so I, I've just got to get out. It's like, oh, the adventures. Who's going to believe that a planet could be headed for destruction and nobody was listening for 40 years? And do I hear Al Gore crying in the background? (laughs) (laughs) You know, because any direction where that's going to go is it's 40 years before the planet explodes. Yeah. And so it's just kind of. But I think that's, see, that's where, that's when you give somebody a treatment on Krypton, they're going to, the, the, the vampire diaries guys, I'm picking on them, but it could be any, any number. And you don't even know their names. And I don't even know their names, but that's where they're going to go. It's like, it's hey, good, that that, that storyline is going to be like magnetic to them. And what you want to do is have someone say, 
No, you don't know anything about that. That's not happening in your story. You're not aware of it. Nobody's been talking about this. Nothing. You are on an alien planet. There's any number of things could be coming from other alien planets. There could be wars occurring that you aren't actually part of, and you're trying to decide should you be involved then again, in it. Then you again, know? screw that and do Adam Strange. Yeah, I'd be up for that too. See, <laughs> I'd be more interested in that. If you're going to do an alien oh, planet. Oh, man, yeah. Ah, uh, uh, I just yeah. no. It's just uh, let's let's do Adam. Strange. Rick's not going to sleep no, no. tonight. <laughs> Adam Strange meeting and, going to traveling to Krypton and Thangaria, Thanagar, Thanagar, Thangaria, Thangaria. See, Thanagar, the, see the, the Nordic again, part of Thangar. There is no need to write in uh, because I'm correct. You knew out. where we were going, and yes. Thanagar is already going to be on DC Legends of Tomorrow. I know it is, but this is this. You can just it's. But no, because it's David Esquire. It's a separate universe again. You know yeah. that's the problem. It, is uh, you know, because everything you've described, in particular with the Vampire Diaries thing, is everything that, that would make most people want to watch it is what you don't want. That's why I'd say just create a, super, create a sci-fi series. And yeah. I understand why they went because they wanted to get that name recognition in there. But I think they're going to have a hard sell to me to get people to watch it and stay because it's Krypton. See, I want them to tell Game of Thrones style stories, big stories, right? Because but, you it, gotta, but again, it's a planet. You've got the. It's named after a planet. It's not named after little stories that happen in the right, House of L. But and that's right. That's what I mean. It's the tales of Krypton that you were calling back to. Yeah, were beautiful stories that that they could have been anything. Yeah, and there was no relationship to the House of L. You know, and you've no. already on Supergirl done for the man who has everything poorly. Yeah. Um, no offense to Supergirl, but it's just like she doesn't have that weight. There's no character. I, I walked in. I saw Dave Kay the other day at the and at, 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 at walked into Elusive and he said, Derek, there's three. Alan Moore did three iconic stories. He's listening now, so I got to do my Dave Kay yeah, impersonation. Yeah. Nice. He did three iconic stories set before crisis. What are they? And because apparently I'd walked in in the midst of an argument, <laughs> an argument. over him claiming everybody knew. And I went, well, for the man who has everything, whatever happened to the man of tomorrow? And then he said, and? And I'm like, ah, oh, I know there's a third. And he goes, the thing with Swamp Thing. And so <laughs> so uh, Swamp Thing uh, was there is a DC Comics Presents that Alan Moore wrote. I remember that story where Superman picked up uh, that there was a spore from the jungles of Krypton. He got uh, so a bacteria or a fever, a virus from Krypton. It was red, and so the fever was causing him hallucinations, and he it was losing control of his powers. And he went into the swamps of Huma because he thought he was just going to die. So he wanted to die away from where from anybody the, could yeah. find him. And Swamp Thing found him, and because it's the flora of right of Krypton, of Krypton he was able to get in and experience the planet. Uh, you know, I would also say. I should, I do take back. There is one great story of Krypton that James Robinson wrote, mm. which is of jo- of of Jor El in the Starman series. I don't know if you remember oh, this. Yeah, yeah. He travels through space and he goes. He gets sent back in time, and so he has a team up with Jor El. And it's as James Robinson made me cry many times in that series. But that was one of the things where it's like. He realizes at the end when he says, you know, the guy, he says, I'm Jarrell. And so he's met the father of Superman as a young man. And again, but the thing that makes the series, that would make a TV series work is it's because, you know, that's the connection. Right, right. And, you know, and so it was a great moment in Starman when then Superman flew up and says, you met my father. What was he like? And 
And so Jack gets to tell him, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, he was really cool. I think he'd be really proud of you. And in a whole series, which is about fathers and sons, yes, that yes. was a moment that just like, ah. So, again, people, if you have not picked up your Starman omnibuses, you should because they are some of the greatest. If you're steeped in they continuity, are. they're some of the best writing out there. And art. And what? And art. And art. And in art. Tony Harris. Yes, 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 absolutely. Um and the same team that brought you C-3PO, which was the unexpectedly <laughs> great book, they first met doing Starman. It's about time for me to take those off the shelf and reread them again. I haven't read them in five years, but uh, yeah. yeah. Um, Jamie Chung is joining, speaking of Gotham, this is the, one of the weird spins again. She's going to play Valerie, Valerie vale, vale, the aunt of Vicky Vale. Okay. So they're taunting you with all these characters from Batman's continuity. But they're not really, you know, so, and I'm, I'm too far behind to, this is a, this is a summer goal. I, because the same thing happened with shield. I yeah. got up to the mid season and then finally I had a break and like last week I sat down and I went on to Comcast and they only had the last five episodes of shield. So I've missed a huge chunk. Uh-huh. I go to Hulu. Now I pay for Hulu plus they still only have the last five episodes of shield. So now they've driven me to a corner. I, I have to wait for Netflix now. To pick up the next season so I can finish what happened in S.H.I.E.L.D. And already in San Diego, on the trains, they have the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. train with the flaming chain, which I'm gathering was an inhuman used one. Because otherwise, the thing that everybody is is saying is, does this mean that Ghost Rider is coming to S.H.I.E.L.D.? But they said that there was an inhuman that could that killed somebody with a flaming chain. I don't know. I'm behind. Was it in this season or in previous? This, in season? this last season, I haven't. I'm behind on this season too. So you're behind as well. I'm, so, I'm behind on Gotham and Shield and something. Yeah, else. the last time I watched Gotham, no, I was actually I, I'm making a, an effort to catch I'm up a, on I'm Gotham. A, okay, so it doesn't I, bother me as much. I haven't watched you. Gotham in so long that Jerome was still alive. Okay, like, and I already know what some of the things are that have happened, but you know, it's. Uh, so it's interesting. And they recast uh, Poison Ivy. I didn't put it in there, but they cast her as an older actress. Hmm. So uh, it's with a 28-year-old who's playing a 19-year-old yeah. who's going to be hitting on a 15-year-old Bruce Wayne. It's just icky. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to admit. It's just icky. And especially when, uh, if you haven't, you can pick up the trade paperback that's probably going to come in a month, the Poison Ivy miniseries, A Matter of Life and Death, uh, or, or A Cycle of Life and Death. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just wrapped up last week was a great redefinition of the character and taking her away from the sexualized objectification that she's been yeah. and really making her a, a strong character. Well, they had certainly done around. that on Gotham because she, I mean, yeah, she was they gave her a different thing when she was entirely younger, different, but, but, it, but it looks like season three is going to basically make her the sex, you know, usually granted she's in control of her sexuality, uh-huh. but it's still just kind of weird that she went from like a 13 year old girl. Right. Right. To a 19, cast a 28-year-old, and it's supposed to be so that she's, you know, giving, uh, as Adam West once said, I, you know, a strange feeling in my tights, mm-hmm. um, you know, before he even has his tights. Um, so, but here, for your strange feeling in your tights, Trisha Helfer is joining the cast of Lucifer, perhaps one of the few things that the, that the show Lucifer could do to make, to make Rick Retschneider want to watch it. You know, I... I, I I I got She's my... joining as Lucifer's mother. Yeah, I know. I'm it's I'm I know you know. I got to say why she's joining the show. The when I saw her on Conman, yeah. I was kind of like Yeah, she's she's kind of still got it. But I don't know if 
if I'm I I I don't know if Luther <laughs> Lucifer had enough to is it still just police procedural? I've only watched the first three episodes. And like I've said, is I I do kind of want to go back to it to see if it got better. Yeah, because there were elements that I thought I need were to talk good. to somebody who's who's watching watching yeah. more of it. I, there were elements that I thought were good, and one of them being Lucifer's, which I understand his utter frustration with how much credit slash blame he gets for people being bad. Yeah, and it's like you know, it's like no, I quit that, you know, and and it it was really starting to cheese him off. I'm like that's. Those are fun moments right. until the procedural part comes right. in, and then it's like, right. oh, we're going to play Wanza. You know, it's uh, just lazy storytelling at this point. I can't, well, it's formulaic. Yeah. It's, it's formulaic. Which is lazy. But you know what? I, I, I'm also of the, I understand they wouldn't re- resort to formula if they didn't work. You know, people like watching watching yeah. it. And now I've heard that Gotham got bat guano insane. And if that's true, then I kind of want to watch it just mm-hmm. to, just because people are saying it's like there's no pretense of this being the or the the days before Batman anymore. We can't even decide what this is we're watching, but now we can't look away. I felt that way about a very Brady Christmas. So uh, you know, <laughs> I think that I'm that I, I is have, that the one with the the idol on? No, that was no, on that's Hawaii. the Hawaii trip. No, no, no. That was the, the very Brady Christmas was the reunion. <sighs> and my my right. my best friend, Tom Goff, I very rarely sh- give him a shout out here. We were roommates at the time and I recorded it and I kept it on VHS. And, and he quoted for years that he walked in while I was watching it. And I just turned to him and I just screamed at the top of my lungs. I can't believe that I am a prisoner of this tripe. <laughs> and I could not look away. I could not. I was like, it's the Brady's. It feels like it. It was as if I had just eaten three pounds of macaroni and cheese and I felt strangely comforted and like I was going to throw up. So I feel that Gotham might do that for me and I got to catch up this summer. But so many other things to catch up on. Yeah. I got to finish Daredevil, which just won the Saturn Award for Best New Media. So uh, very good. Uh, shout out to Christos Gage. And so, which one are we sure? Which do we know exactly what's following Daredevil season two? Uh, will be Luke Cage. It will be Luke. It Cage. will be Luke Cage. Okay. Um, and they did cast. They have begun filming Iron Fist. Luke Cage. Luke Cage. Luke Cage is in the can. Luke Feige. Uh, and uh, uh, Kristen Ritter said there was going to be a, Je- a Jessica Jones season two, but I'd rather just. Get to the get it out of the way. Get a defenders in there. Yeah, yeah. And now I haven't finished Daredevil, but they did announce there's also going to be a Punisher series, which, sure, first time ever in my life I've said, yeah, I'd like to see more Punisher because Frank Bernthal or John Bernthal was so good as Frank Castle. Yeah, and I have stopped in the series at a point where, as we said in the last podcast, like I don't know if non fans are watching if it's all of us. But where I just kind of went, oh, this is what's going on. This is the arc that's happening. Oh, I wish I had time to watch the next episode, and then I didn't, and then I didn't have time because Game of Thrones was so damn good. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. I have to stay up with Game of Thrones, and maybe next week when it ends, I can go when the last episode of the season goes. Ah, uh, oi. Um, so anyway, DC Legends Tomorrow is getting a new vixen, Maisie Richardson, Se- Maisie Richardson Sellers, as Amaya Jiwei, Mari McCabe's grandmother. So yeah. establishing, 
I don't think, and I'm not steeped in Vixen comics that much. Uh, I know her series have never, uh, there's been a mini series. She was in Justice League for a while. Yeah. I've always thought she was a cool character, but, you know, she's never held. I think the best focus Vixen ever got was that she was on Justice League Unlimited as in the animated series, and she got a lot of spotlight there. I think for a while she was a rival for uh, Hawkgirl's, uh, for Hawkgirl for Jon Stewart. And, mm. um, because I think they, Hawk Girl and Justin Stewart had gone on a break, and uh, Mari McCabe showed up. But this is her grandmother, because the actress who plays Vic, who played Vixen in the animated series on Seed, the CW Seed, right? This digital thing that I keep forgetting exists, and then you re- and then you sent me the link, and I went, oh, okay, and I started watching, it, and then I got busy again, I had to walk away. So it was I was pretty good. I, I liked what I saw. But uh, and then she appeared live action in Arrow this right. last season, which I she, thought was a nice crossover with the voice. But actors. she can't com- well because right she's also because uh, uh, because the Flash and Arrow show up in the animated show too. Mm-hmm. Um, but she doesn't have she didn't have the time to commit to a series, so she couldn't be in DC Legends tomorrow. So they just went, oh, they're time travelers. They're going to have the grandmother, and the totem is going to be in her hands, which yeah. also plays into we know that it's going to be a Justice Society. So uh, that's fun. I, I'm sorry that I'm canceling the podcast once <laughs> once all these shows start. Just to make some time. Be, I, I, I got to do something. I was talking with somebody at work today. It's like, I got to give up some part of my life and you know, so I can not watch. I'm like, you know, maybe I'm taking the wrong message away. Uh, <laughs> you know, but there's just so much yeah. that I, I want to enjoy. Uh, so that's, uh, you know, that there's the uh, news this week. Um and I think that's all we've got to talk about. Are we going to uh, do a thing on Game of Thrones next week? You want to talk week? about Game of Thrones? Or we can talk about Game because of Thrones. Because I know if Game of Thrones follows its history, the best episode was this week, and next week we'll just be sort of like, wow. That's what people keep saying. And I, I, I don't know. This season has been drawing so many storylines together. I think there may be a pretty good final well, episode for I the think, season. Well, I think what this what happens is that the, that the penultimate episode is the bring it – Bring the storylines to a close, and then the the let's see the season finale has has been. Now this is what the status quo is going to be going into the next season. Uh-huh. This is setting up next next season in a in a better you know better satisfying way because honestly, again, how much I was screaming inside watching uh, the, the Battle, Battle of, of the, the Bastards, Bastards. Yeah. Um, was just like I can't. I, I can't, uh, you know, it, it was so visceral. It was so strong. Like, next week's episode will be good, but it won't be as good as this. Do you watch the the episode, the stuff coming up for the next episode? Uh, yes. I don't usually watch that stuff. I, I usually go, well, it's going to be soon enough. Sometimes I, fa- sometimes I fast forward through and sometimes I, I did watch. They have any, did they have anything on the White Walkers in nope. the previews? Okay, because nope. that was my expectation that the last episode of this wouldn't be the fall of the wall. No, have you seen the um, Jon Snow Leroy Jenkins mashup? <laughs> oh, no, I have not. Because I, I hadn't oh really god. thought of that. Oh is that god. that's what he did? Oh my god! His Battle of the Bastards was Leroy Jenkins. Oh my god! <laughs> so, <laughs> so somebody has done it. So oh, go I'm ahead. Go look that up. <laughs> oh, that's perfect. <laughs> and so somebody said, "Damn it, he ran right in." At least oh. I got chicken. <laughs> so. But that fights well everything about that episode. First of all, you gave me, I say, 
And we, we don't get that many anymore because, as as others have pointed out, it's like the cast of Game of Thrones has gotten so popular, they're off making other movies. But but that you gave me, this was an episode that had everything I require of a Game of Thrones episode. Right. Is you gave me Peter Dinklage saying wise things. Right. Uh, you gave me a little Daenerys. You moved that story forward a little bit. Um, a fair amount of Daenerys. Uh, you know, and, and you moved the the Jon Snow story forward yeah and and that was and then and you say the storylines are all coming we, did, was this did we have the joke pe- telling bit this past week or was that the week before that was the week before oh, that okay. was the week before that, that, was I mean, wonderful. that, that was that was a good little scene but I just think Peter Dinklage just carries that gravity and like going and and that's where you just go okay the I mean and two the history of like when the Stormborn came and he said you mocked me at Winterfell and 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 it was just like this whole thing back of Again, why Tyrion is a great leader in spite of himself. Right. You know, right. that he does let his wisdom. He'll remind you how you treated him. Right. Uh, and, and But then uh, he'll uh, tell you, we're going to do something together for the greater good. But it is. But he's reminding people of their cruelties and saying, we shall be better. Yes. And teaching Daenerys to be better. Mm-hmm. And the reminder of her father. And it was just, ah, that was powerful. And then the that fight scene, that battle was so... With every turn, and he's about to get munched, and then something comes out of the... And there's so many people but, speculating, can he be killed? Has he got gods watching out for him? Is he blessed somehow? Or is and he just Davos, damn lucky? And Davos finally figured, Davos. figuring out that, that yeah. the girl was, was sacrificed. Yeah. And... You know, I forgot it oh, was now, it, he was he was now, sent away. What's he going to be thinking about about the uh, right? And he was red the priestess. red god, right? He was sent. He was sent away on a mission, right? When that happened, yes, so yes. that's why specifically sent away, so that he would not know. And and that was heartbreaking. And yeah. the claustrophobia of I've never seen a, a, oh, the a, a battle scene of 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 like you're being buried in bodies and yeah. trying to get out. And I was like, oh, Jiminy Christmas! It, it's so well done. Yeah, and. Yeah, I mean one, the giant had to go, but it's one, just, one. but oh the bat! I mean, I when he's going up uh, and just pounding away, I, right? I, 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 that's when I was going. Yeah, do it! I want to see his face. It was like Fight Club. I wanted to. I want to mess up something pretty. Somebody you know, was talking about the parallel between one one and Hodor. The mm. Hodor has to hold the door, and one one had to get the door open. Yeah. And both. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm sure, which I will give this side side, and I'm sorry I'm about to swear, but have you seen that uh, in Texas this week there was a uh, convention where George R. R. Martin interviewed Stephen King? No. Have you seen this? No. And so the comment, he's just like, we have, we have, sent from the audience, he goes, we have time for one more question. George R. R. Martin said, said no, I, 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 we're not going to ask one more question. I've got one question. And he turned to Stephen King and said, Sorry, I'm going to swear because it's a direct quote. He said, "How do you write so fucking fast?" <laughs> <laughs> he says, <laughs> uh, just, and Stephen King says, "Well, I don't." And every every member of the audience is going, "Tell him, tell him, tell him." <laughs> yeah, he's like, and Stephen King's like, ah, "I do six pages a day. I don't stop till I do six pages." He goes, "What?" And you just accept that? You just do that? <laughs> that's great sometime we should have uh kevin uh kevin anderson murphy uh in um because he writes for wild card so he writes for george rr martin right so just say i I know he probably can't really say like anything but it it is sort of a someone who actually knows and 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 works with him in an editorial capacity is like 
what is George R. R. Martin doing? You know, right. although at this point for Game of Thrones, I don't need uh, because I've never read the books anyway. I don't need to see that the book solution. Yeah, I just want to enjoy. I'm interested in what the next book is going to read like against the TV series now. I'm sure many differences because there have think... been there have been so many books that where there have been differences and additional scenes and stuff. Kind of, is this not last book going to be? trimmer and closer to the what we've seen I'm i hoping, don't think he can i'm hoping it's just going to be expanded and and, and and they exist you know as different as different works yeah. and and maybe someday i will get to the books because i think he's a terrific writer yeah but i just dig that series so it much. took me five times starting that first book to get into well, it's it sort of like dune only Dune isn't worth it. Dune took me three times to start. And, uh, you know. Dune, it's definitely. The first book's and definitely you get worth a, it. I read two. I read into the second one, and I didn't think so. Um, and, uh, you know, the good the good palate cleanser is to follow up with Silicon Valley and just kind of, you know. Oh, yeah. Because you know, it's not science fiction at all. I'm like, uh, hey, I'm working with people. Like no, this. I've worked in that building. Uh, yeah. I, oh, I've worked oh, for that guy. Oh, oh, I don't know if you're up to date on that one. but uh, Oh, yeah, I am. Oh, Jiminy Christmas again! Uh, and did they pick up another series that this, this um, one that's uh, I'll just call out because it was Netflix. Maria Bamford's Lady Dynamite is a sitcom. Also, oh, kind I've of heard about that. Fantasy and sci- it's not sci-fi, but it's just because she's dealing with her mental illness mm-hmm. that uh, it's definitely it, it follows an interesting, interesting pattern and in, in breaking the meta. It's it's very fun and back to Voltron. And I don't know what else Netflix going to drop on me that I really want to watch. Uh, too much. They're working Too on much. It. But this summer, I'm going to catch up on everything else, right? Yep. So that's it. Speaking of catching up. We talk about Preacher. I didn't watch this week's. That's oh. that's for tonight, okay. if I can get out of here, right? You know, it is to watch this week's Preacher, which, as we said last week, I am loving. Am I? Yeah. I hope I'm not. Oh, no, no. I'm caught up with. Uh, so I watched the first three. So right. it's just the fourth this week. I haven't watched the fourth one yet. Um, last week was Cassidy cleaning up the bodies. Yes, yes, it was very interesting. Um, you know, again, great, great series. So, looking forward to that. And they brought in Hair. Um, oh, I totally forgot the name of the villain because uh, he's the one that ended up his head looking like a penis um, in the comics. Uh, they implied. I mean, that's a, mm. they're doing a great job setting up in this beginning all the storylines that are going to happen that could potentially happen. And so I, I again recommend if you have been turned off to preacher, it's a more it's irreverent as hell, but I really honestly think a more serious. It's morally ex- irreverent. I don't think it's morally irreverent. Irreverent. I don't think so. I think it's very moral. I mean, I think it is very moral. Oh, I. I it's the way morally you said it, irreverent. No, morally reverent. Right. No, I said it's morally irreverent. Right, but I don't think it's irreverent. I think it really is dealing with his moral questions. Yeah, I'm just saying from the standpoint of what people expect. It's blasphemous. The roles that people expect. Oh, it's expect blasphemous. To, right. But right. I don't think it's morally irreverent you're say it's a, it's a story about a preacher and his good friend, the vampire, and they... And, and his girlfriend, ex-girlfriend, the assassin. Yeah, right. The merc. Uh, you know, but it, it's, it's but it, it goes deeper but he, he, than I think It draws Garth into is, question all the motivations and all their actions and what he's trying to do with his life. Right, and, right. Yeah. And that's, that's what I'm saying. It's more, I think it's morally irreverent. It's a guy struggling to do good. Okay, uh, but there's a lot of things that are blasphemous around it. But at its heart, you know, it's like I believe Dominic Cooper's. <laughs> there's another thing where, of course, 
filming preacher, he didn't have time to watch Civil War. So I don't know if you've seen this one where someone was interviewing him for preacher and and they said they said, well, how, you know, have you heard what uh, happens to Howard Stark? In because they asked him, would he come back if they did oh. another Agent Carter? And he says. He said, no, I haven't had a chance to see it. So what happens? I, I do, do I die? Is that so they tell him, he says, who killed me? And he's like, you know, he says, the Winter Soldier. Like, the Winter Soldier killed me? <laughs> Way to spoil it. And he goes, you asked. You know, the he's like, you asked me to tell you what happened. <laughs> Your character. So on that note, uh, if you'd like to write in, again, questions, comments, compliments, commentary, criticism, anything at all, and to say, good job. What was that phrase you said? Nice job. Mind blown. Mind, Mind blown. Bl- I don't think we said anything mind blown, but maybe we did. Uh, let us know at editor at fanboyplanet.com. Use that Amazon link. Use that PayPal link if you like. And, uh, yeah, that's all I got to say this week. Uh, thanks for listening. And uh, this is Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of fanboyplanet.com. And this is Rick Brett Snyder reminding you to use your powers only for good. <laughs> Thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.thegreatlukeski.com.